Sunday Breakdown. This is Coulter Nuanas. As always, you can find this podcast, SkylineSportsMT.com. Been a crazy week this last week of September. Never done so many interviews and so many voiceovers and so many podcasts in my life. We just hired a new producer at ESPN Missoula, David Graff. He's killing it. So check out our new FCS Speculators podcast, A Vegas Eye on the Big Sky. We'll give you lines from across the Big Sky Conference, across the FCS, and give you a couple other college picks in there as well. So be sure to check that out on your favorite podcasting platform. And in this Big Sky Breakdown, which is episode number 700 since we launched this thing way back in 2013, appreciate every single one of you guys for contributing to over 450,000 downloads over the last six years. Been fun to be a part of. In this Big Sky Breakdown, we'll give you a look around the Big Sky. We'll start with a couple of former Big Sky Conference legends, former Montana quarterback John Edwards, who led the Grizzlies to the 2001 National Championship. You'll hear from former Montana State quarterback Travis Lulay, who led the Bobcats to a pair of Big Sky titles and three wins and four tries over the Montana Grizzlies between 2002 and 2005. Then we'll get into a bunch of the coaches. We'll hear from Jay Hill, head coach of Weber State, his team, the two-time defending Big Sky Conference. Conference champions. Then we'll hear from Tim Walsh, the godfather of the Big Sky Conference, coached at Portland State from 1993 to 2006, been at Cal Poly since 2009, a guy that is the godfather of the league now, the longest tenured coach in the Big Sky Conference in terms of total years. And then we'll hear from Dan Hawkins, who his team is trying to defend their share of the Big Sky title, which they shared with Weaver State and Eastern Washington a year ago. And they are preparing to host the Montana Grizzlies. And then finally, we'll wrap this thing with the funniest interview I have ever conducted in my career. I don't think it's close. Bruce Barnum, head coach at Portland State. His team heading to Pocatello, Idaho. Take on the Idaho State Bengals this week. Oh, and we can't forget Andrew Houghton from the Idaho State Journal, formerly of Skyline Sports. He moved over there to cover the Idaho State Bengals, so he'll jump on with us as well to preview that Portland State-Idaho State game as well as give some general thoughts just about the Big Sky Conference. Andrew did a great job last two years covering the Grizz for us at Skyline Sports, and now he's covering the Bengals and the rest of the Big Sky. So he's back on the Big Sky Breakdown. I know you you missed him, so he's back. So he'll, he will be the final interview of this. Sorry, I didn't mean to forget him. I just found that file and figured we got to tack that one on as well. So nice two hours of Big Sky content to get you prepped for Big Sky Conference play. As always, this podcast proudly presented by Selway Armory. Selway Armory with locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, your firearm superstores throughout the state of Montana. Great inventory, great selection, great expertise, great prices. Whatever you need when it comes to firearms and ammunition, go check out Selway Armory. Go check out the new Selway Armory out in Bozeman as well. Beautiful new location out there off Jackrabbit Lane. They got all sorts of stuff, no matter what you're in the market for. And this podcast proudly presented by Town Pump. Town Pump Food Stores, Montana's best since 1953. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. I'm going to hit a town pump right before I hit the pass to Bozeman tonight, heading over to the Homestake Way to go cover Montana State against Northern Arizona, Bobcat Stadium. And I'll be sure to hit up a town pump, get myself something to drink, a little snack, fuel up before the long drive. Town Pump Food Stores, Montana's best since 1953. Without further ado, John Edwards joining us on Tutel Nuanas earlier this week, the former All-Big Sky quarterback and 2001 national champion for the Montana Grizzlies. Hey Coulter, Town Pump is across the state of Montana, just like Skyline Sports MT for that matter. Well, Skyline Sports across the globe, Tutel Nuanas across the state. Okay, back to Town Pump. I get it. All right. 
Seems like you can't turn anywhere in Montana without seeing a town pump. Like they say, there's one right down the road, and they got you covered no matter what you need. That's right. Gas and convenience stores, of course, the best and nicest convenience stores. Excellent bathrooms, I might add, which I appreciate very much at Town Pump. But also, if you're looking for a little leisure time, leisure activities, the casinos, the liquor stores, they have everything that you need. Great prices on beer and wine, all the snacks and food you could ever want. Town Pump Food Stores, Montana's best since 1953. We go now to the Rangich Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the quarterback of the 2001 University of Montana National Championship team, John Edwards. John, thanks so much for taking the time out. We really appreciate it. How are you? Uh, my, my pleasure and uh, wonderful and glad to have uh, fall back in college football in full swing. John, the intro is interesting in itself because when you win a national championship as a player, I'm sure it's incredibly vindicating, a wonderful accomplishment, something you never forget. But here we are almost 20 years later, and you've gone on to have a great, successful career uh, working in law, and still, I'm sure so many people identify you as the quarterback of the 2001 National Championship team. What's that like, and how has that influenced your life over the last 20 years? Well, and the fact that uh, Coach Glenn uh, nicknamed me Johnny Montana. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> uh, that, that's, that stuck for sure, but... Um, you know, being a Montana kid, I'm a fourth-generation Montanan, and uh, certainly something you take uh, great pride in, uh, being able to accomplish that as a, uh, as a Montanan, and, and even more so in the fact that, uh, to date, the only other guy that's done it uh, is also uh, Dave Dickinson from, from Great Falls. So it's unique, although I wish that that's a distinction that um, – that we lose uh, here soon, and that that is the fact that uh, that we're the only two that have done it. And uh, I I certainly feel the program uh, is is turned around and heading in the right direction with uh, with Coach House leadership. Well, with the win in '97, going to the national championship in 2000, winning it again in 2001, and I mean, it just looked. I mean, Montana was the dominant program in the nation at that moment, and really continued to be. Uh, a, if not the dominant program nationwide, but never, never summited the mountain again, as it were. Is it was that is that surprising to you to look back and go, man, I can't believe after two and four years or whatever it was, and all of the success that there isn't another trophy in that case. Yeah, it is. You know, because in the in the mid two thousands, there uh, after Coach Glenn left and uh, and Coach Out came in, I mean, they were they were going to it repeatedly and. You know, it just goes to show you. I mean, to win these championships, you need you need a hell of a lot of luck to go around with a lot of talent. And I mean, I, I'm dead serious with that. And and that's true. It it just uh, ball needs to bounce your way. You need to get a couple of plays here and there. And uh, you know, you got to put yourself in the position to be lucky. And that takes hard work. And that takes uh, you know a, a team of 90 plus people going in the same direction. But uh, I am surprised, and uh, I hope. I hope nowadays that uh, we can get back in that position where you at least give yourself the opportunity to, to try to win one. I'm on the board of directors for the Montana Football Hall of Fame, and this last year we inducted Thatcher Slay, one of the great offensive linemen ever at Montana. And I'm a guy, I've covered the league now for 13 years, and just watching the evolution of offensive line play and, and now sort of spreading out of the talent. It used to be, I mean, the offensive line you played behind, those five guys might have been the five best offensive linemen in the Pretty entire good. league. Yeah. And <laughs> so, absolutely. Uh, no, absolutely. I mean, how, so how much do you think that helped you guys, just the, the offensive front that you had? 
Well, it's it's everything. I mean, that's where where it all starts. And uh, you know, if you look back how we played football games, uh, you know, much different than how Dave won it in '95. They threw the ball, you know, sixty times, sixty plus a game. Uh, you figure out who you are, and you figure out who your talent is, and then you you ride them. And uh, and that's exactly what we did. We had Johansi Humphrey and a fabulous front, and we ran the ball and, uh, you know, tried to protect it on the other end. My job was not to, you know, throw a lot of interceptions and, and keep the keep the ball out of the other team's hand and uh, and use the talent we had, and that's exactly what we did, and we had a great defense, and, uh, you know, that worked for us. John Edwards joining us, former University of Montana quarterback, former Billings West quarterback, state champion quarterback, in fact, uh, the first in the history of Billings West. Not the last, I might add, as they are rolling right now uh, and uh, coming off one last year as well. But, John, one guy i got to ask you about before we fast forward to the present, but Joe Glenn is one of the the all-time kind of characters and figures in, in really all of coaching, but certainly at the University of Montana. What was it like, you know, you see him now and he's, you know, the piano man and he's, you know, the, the, the politician going around just smiling and happy all the time and is great. But when he was, you know, kind of in his element as a football coach, what was it like to play for him? You know, it truly is one of the most impressive guys I've ever been around. I remember the first time that Joe came in, nobody, you know, at least the players, uh, after he was hired, nobody knew who Joe was. And uh, I actually walked in a few minutes late uh, due to some other circumstances to our first meeting. And Joe was walking around the room pointing to each guy uh, and saying their name and where they were from uh, without a note, without uh, without anything, his ability and and you know genuine care uh, for his players was unbelievable. I mean, it was the most impressive thing I've ever seen. And then just continued to you know be uh, just inspired by the way the guy operates. And uh, you know he had a very couple of simple rules, and you know the good guy rule, uh, which is which his simple rule, and and generally worked for the most part. And uh, his basic understanding of the game of football and the fundamentals, and uh, you know, he didn't he didn't dig into the the play calling. He wasn't uh, he wasn't one of those guys, and he relied on his you know his coaches and his players to do their job. Uh, but he also uh, he knew what was going on all the time, and and inspired you to play, you know, good straight up old fashioned football. And uh, obviously, he was successful at every level he ever was at, uh, you know, using that model. The way that the Big Sky Conference and the CAC Riz rivalry and football in general has evolved since your playing days has been very fascinating to watch. And Ryan mentioned the dominance of Montana at the end of the Don Reed era into then McDenehy, into then Joe Glenn, second to none unparalleled. But then that next year, 2002, things began to change. Montana State snaps the streak. Eastern Washington's all of a sudden pouring major resources into football. And now the Grizz have some challengers. Uh, and now we get to this point that we have this 13-team league. I think every team in the league except Idaho State has made the playoffs in the la- at least once in the last 10 years. So the parity is just all over the place. And uh, it's just been really interesting to watch. From your seat, do you still follow this stuff? And if so, how, how have you seen it all change? Oh, absolutely. Uh, still follow it. And, and, you know, it was interesting. I mean, I, at the end of that 2002, we were clinging on to, I don't remember what the numbers were, but, you know, still you know, 24, 25 or something game winning streak in the in the big sky before we lost to Eastern Washington, you know, and we always had 
before we we lost uh, to the cats and, and the streak. And so you, I mean, you know, you knew it was talented, and we, of course we got lucky a couple times here and there to keep that streak alive. But it was it was very clear by that time. You know, you got Travis Lule and, and and just some special players around the league, and then all of those quarterbacks that Eastern Washington has had over it. Um, it's good for the league, the fact that this is um, the way it is now, because every weekend is, you know, there's a chance for an upset. Uh, they are good, really hard-fought games. And uh, I think it's great for the league. And, you know, it probably when you're having a one team with a 24 or 25-game win streak within a league like that, uh, it, it can't be necessarily healthy. And it, it, it certainly isn't going to last forever. And so... Uh, you can tell just by the way that these coaches talk week in and week out. It's a dogfight, and that's the way it should be. And, and as fans, that's better for us. With the return uh, of Bobby Houck, what are your thoughts about him being back at Montana? Especially when well, you played for a guy who's everybody's friend, and now Bobby Houck, he's a coach, he's nobody's friend. <laughs> and so I want to know, you know, what you think about him being there because he was so great as the coach there in terms of you know the success, but also a very different guy from you know the the, the guys that you played for. Well, that's funny. Well, I can tell you that he, he's my friend, and, and that's why he has players that will absolutely do anything for him. Um, uh, when you're on his side, he'll do anything to protect you, and, and he, you know, re- he requires a lot out of you. And as a player, uh, you go through that together, and those guys are absolutely as loyal as they can be. And I got to, to know Coach Houck, because uh, he came in the year afterwards, and I was around for Missoula for uh, law school and, and everything else those those couple of years after I was done. So uh, I think it I think it was a great hire, um, and you can tell just by you know last year it had its ups and downs and inability to finish football games, and he has at least so far this year you can tell instilled some toughness in uh, not folding when things got get bad. And, uh, that's something that he uniquely brings to the, you know, to the field. And, um, these players, at least it looks like to me, there's a level of confidence, uh, coming back and, you know, it'll take time for him to, to get that done. But, uh, that's his, the way his program operates. And, uh, they're, they're a serious football team. And I, I think that that's a change that was very welcome at Montana over the last four years. You can definitely tell the infiltration of confidence already. They are a much more confident group than maybe even 365 days ago. It's been impressive to watch. John, we'll get you out of here on this. I know you've done a little TV analysis work before, so put on your analyst hat. You could be, you'd probably be watching the Grizz game on Saturday at UC Davis. How do you see that one playing out? Well, it's funny. I, I haven't been able to watch a full game yet other than the Oregon game because now my analysis is spent on the sidelines of uh, 9-10 little guy football. Oh, uh, yeah, right, okay. Right. Watching the bobbleheads run around and, uh, <laughs> and tackle one another. So um, I, I honestly haven't got to. I was, I was extremely impressed with the way they did play Oregon. Uh, I thought there was a um, – that, that, that was a, a level of defense that was just fantastic. And offense obviously struggled a little bit, but uh, that's against a really good football team. So uh, that was a, I thought that was an impressive um, showing that they had out there. And, and so I haven't got to watch them, uh, you know, a full, full go yet, but you can just tell by hanging on to the games that they're hanging on to and, and the level of pride and, and uh, you know, competitiveness that they have right now. It's, um, 
it's fun and I expect good things out of them. And, uh, you know, I, they're lucky to have Snead and they're, they're lucky to have a, uh, a tough defense. And it seems like that defensive line is hung up real well. And, and they got a, a tough one with UC Davis. I mean, uh, you know, they've, what, what they played Cal pretty close and, mm-hmm. and uh, are, are tough and, uh, you know, NDSU. And I mean, the, the fact that those guys have dominated the way they have. So, uh, they've got uh, they got their work cut out for them, but um, I, I mean, I'm excited for them, and I'm excited for the program. Well, John, we certainly appreciate your time here again. John Edwards, uh, the 2001 National Championship quarterback for the University of Montana, but who cares because he's a great attorney in Billings today, <laughs> and that's the thing that he's hanging his hat on. So, uh, But, we, hey, man, we really appreciate the time. All the best to you, okay? Thanks, gentlemen. Go Grizz. John Edwards, Johnny Montana, one of the all-time greats in the history of the state of Montana. Appreciate him joining us on Two Till Nuanas. Later that same day, we're joined by Travis Lule. Broke through in the biggest way you could ever imagine, leading Montana State to a 10-7 victory in Missoula, 2002. Snow joke was the headline of the Missoulian. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget being in the stadium that day. I mean, I grew up in Missoula. I grew up rooting for the Grizz, but that was the first day that the Bobcats really landed on my consciousness i started following the bobcats heavily after that and i kind of lost rooting interest between the two schools really just loved both of them because i thought at that moment joe glenn and then bobby hauck such compelling characters mike kramer among the most compelling characters ever and then i remember one of my good buddies from high school brandon bostick he ended up going over to play for the cats and so then we really followed him then as well and my brother got recruited pretty heavily by the cats too so we kind of been on both sides of the rivalry for a really long time but travis lule he definitely set the stage for the opening of the door in the big sky conference because at that moment montana was absolutely dominating and he made Montana State believe that they could be back on uh, at least a, somewhat of a trajectory in terms of competing in the Big Sky Conference. At the, at the same time, Eastern Washington starts to get more competitive. Ron McBride's great Weber State teams. So Montana had some challengers to the throne, and that's continued to matriculate and to grow since then with pretty much every team in the league having at least a piece of the pie over the last 10 years or so. Eastern Washington shared six of the last titles, last six of the last ten titles, but Portland State's been in the mix. They got that sixth seed back in 2015. Southern Utah won two Big Sky titles in three years. Cal Poly uh, shared the Big Sky title in 2012, been in the playoffs three times. Northern Arizona, been in the playoffs a couple times. Uh, Sac State, not been in the playoffs, but they have had two winning seasons during that span. Idaho State even had an 8-4 and four campaign. Northern Colorado had back-to-back winning seasons. So, so even if they weren't in the mix for Big Sky titles, they were winning conference games, which back then... There, there was no chance that Northern Colorado was going to beat Montana. Now UNC has beat Montana a couple times in recent years. So um, definitely interesting to see the way that the league has evolved. And then, of course, we'd be remiss to not mention Weber State, the way that Jay Hill has turned that program around. Idaho's return to the Big Sky Conference. North Dakota's on their way out, but they got a, a Big Sky title back in 2016. So everybody's been in the mix, and that I think that's what makes it such an interesting and fun league to cover. On that note, Travis Lule, one of the guys that was part of the opening of the door of the modern era to people challenging Montana for their throne, and one of the great quarterbacks in the history of Montana State, and an, uh, just an all-around great guy, Travis Lule, former Montana State and BC Lions quarterback, when he joined us on Two Tell Nuanas earlier this week.
Golter, we know that in Montana there's a lot of hunters, a lot of gun enthusiasts, so you might as well shop local when you're looking for your next firearm or accessory, huh? Soy Armory, they got the best prices around and the best service you'll find anywhere. As the guys over there will tell you, shop with Soy Armory for a year, we guarantee you, you'll save some money. The other thing is they have great knowledge. There's a lot of questions that people have about the right styles and types to suit them and what it is that they're trying to do. And all the guys over at Selway Armory know their firearms and ammunition and accessories inside and out. With locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, Selway Armory has some specialty products as well, including full Sig Sauer inventory for your best in handguns and much, much more. Like Coulter said, two brick-and-mortar locations, one in Missoula, one in Bozeman, and also online, tremendous inventory there. They'll ship everything you want, SelwayArmory.com. Our Big Sky Conference preview coverage continues, and now we go to the Rangish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in, former Montana State and former BC Lions quarterback, Travis Lule. Travis, thanks so much for being with us. Happy to hop out of the office for a few minutes and chat with you, gentlemen. Talk big sky football. Love it. Well, this is the uh, first. Uh, the idea of this came when last week you were an honorary captain of Montana State, and I knew you were back in Bozeman. So I was thinking, man, I'd love to have Travis on the show. And then I was thinking, okay, we could just roll him into part of our Big Sky Conference coverage. But take take us back to last weekend. You're an honorary captain. This is a cool thing that Jeff Choate has been instituting. Uh, honorary captains at at games, Sonny Holland was the captain of the first game, and you know, at the Gold Rush where it's always a crazy night, probably the loudest moment of the night was when Coach Holland was in the middle of the field, and it gives you chills even just thinking about it. Uh, but for what was it like coming back to Bozeman, being an honorary captain, and watching the Bobcats get a big win? Yeah, no, it was awesome, and you're, you're right. Uh, Jeff Choate uh, and the staff there and everybody there is doing a, doing a pretty good job of uh, of being, you know, recognizing the importance of engaging some uh, some alums and whatnot. So this actually stemmed back to last spring, and I had a chance to meet uh, meet Jeff Choate uh, a few years ago when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and he had just taken the job. Uh, it was early 2016, so we kind of started a little bit of a relationship there. And then I've, you know, I've met some coaches on the recruiting trail here and there, and then knowing guys in Kane Ione and Bobby Daly, who I played with or were, you know, around during my era who are back there now, there's a bit more of a connection with the program again than there was for maybe the first decade out. And that's kind of a testament to those guys. So yeah, they reached out to me in the spring when I retired from professional football and said, Hey, we'd love to bring you out to a game in the fall or get you out to a game and, you know, get, have you do a little salute to the crowd and all that kind of stuff. So I uh, just worked out, you know, uh, working for the football club here in BC, obviously I'm tied up on, on home game weekend. So I picked a weekend when the lions were out of town and I, and month and, Montana State was in Bozeman, so last weekend was that weekend. Uh, made it happen, went out there, and man, it was just—it was really cool. Uh, such a such a warm reception from the from the Bobcat community, and uh, to have an opportunity to be back. I, I had only seen one game. My brother was a senior in 2008, so I was still around a bit back then, and I'd come back for one game in in 2011, a home playoff game, but it was a really quick in and out trip. That's the only game I'd seen in in years. So this was the first regular season. Montana State home game I'd been to since 2008, so it had really been a while, and you know so much has changed since since I graduated there, uh, just in terms of facilities and things. But there's still a ton of familiar faces around the program, and uh, just to see the energy, the support, and where the football program has has come in the last few years, uh, I mean it's something that an alum is is really proud to see. So for me, it was a really rewarding weekend, and I was just you know humbled and honored by everybody at Montana State who you know, thought to involve me. 
You know, it's it's interesting because guys that go on to make a career out of football, whether it's playing or playing and coaching and so forth, it's so ironic because they're the guys who actually have are the least able to be in touch with their alma maters that way. We <laughs> talked to Ty Gregorak. He hasn't been ever back to a game at Colorado after he finished playing because he went right into coaching and every Saturday spoken for at that point. Was it – I mean, you touched on it, but, but how surreal was it just to be back, not even just for the game, but just in Bozeman and the setting and, and the memories that come because it has been so long? Yeah, well, I you know I I actually Bozeman was home base for me uh, for my first few years professionally. So right, I, you know, after I after I'd come out, uh, my wife and I bought a place there and said, let's make Bozeman home base, and I'll chase football where it was. So my first few seasons, even in the CFL, I was I was uh, playing the season in Canada and coming back to Bozeman in the off season. My wife would work; I was working part time job there, and so you know, just trying to make it stick. And then once I stuck in Vancouver. We wanted to relocate. I wanted to be involved and be around for the off-season community programs that we do here in Vancouver for the BC Lions, uh, be around the players, uh, be involved in some off-season you know, offensive game planning and all those types of things. It just made sense. So that was actually like the winter of 2011 when I left. So, But even since then, uh, Bozeman has changed a good bit. You know? oh, yes, and, it and has. Just, <laughs> I mean, you, you guys know that, right? Like the town has grown a ton. Um, and just to see, you know, hear things that are happening on, on campus, walking around campus, a number of new, big, beautiful buildings have come up and, uh, there's, you know, money coming in enrollments going up, the town's getting bigger. Um, so there's just a lot of change. So it is, it is different when, you know, for me who I didn't see it as gradually say the last seven or eight, nine years, I've come back a handful of times and it's just a snapshot each time of, wow, this much has changed or wow, this is different. Right. This area didn't even exist when I was here last. So. Um, so it is, it is, it, it's fun to see. It's, uh, obviously it's a nostalgic place. I still hit up my, you know, favorite spots and see my old buddies at the, you know, the right tailgate spots and all that stuff before the game. So, uh, it, it really is, it really is fun for me to come back. And now that I'm done playing, I envision a scenario where I, I get to make it back more than once every other year. So <laughs> Travis Lulay, the former Montana state and BC lions quarterback joining us on the Rangish brothers RV phone line. And Travis, let's take it back to when you first committed to Montana State. We led this show with John Edwards, Johnny Montana, who led Montana to the national championship in 2001. That was when you had just committed to Montana State. And you told me a funny story last night that I'm going to ask you to tell again. When you're in Almsville, Oregon, right outside of Portland, or right outside of Salem, <laughs> and not a lot of maybe, maybe people don't really know much about Montana, but Montana had just won the national championship. <laughs> Take us through what it was like then to about to become a Bobcat, and then we'll get into your time as a Bobcat. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, no, as we kind of uh, laughed about on text the other day. Uh, so yeah, I, I you know I didn't know a ton. I had a kind of a cursory understanding of the Big Sky. I knew who Portland State was. They had recruited me some. I'd seen Portland State versus Montana State. I'd seen you know I grew up uh, Pac-12 guy. My parents graduated from Oregon State. So and a lot and that's a lot of where the understanding is like in the in the state of Oregon, right? It's Oregon and Oregon State, and you you know who Portland State is, but maybe you're not as intimately familiar with all their opponents. Um, so yeah, so I had you know and and Montana State kind of came out of the blue for me. They started recruiting me. I didn't know a ton about their history prior to that, uh, but when I went and visited, I met the coaching staff, Mike Kramer and Don Bailey at the time on the offensive staff, and I, I loved it, and I got really fired up, and Montana seemed to fit me. I was a small-town Oregon kid, so Montana felt very much the same type of vibe. Um, so I was fired up. I'm all excited to go there, but I recognized as I started telling people, people say, where are you going to college? Oh, I'm, I you know, I got a scholarship. I'm going to play football at Montana State. 
And one of the most common reactions was, oh, Montana, didn't, uh, yeah, they're pretty good, right? Didn't they just win a, a national championship? And I'd go, uh, no, that was the other school <laughs> in Montana. <laughs> I'm going to the rival school. So, uh, so we got our work cut out for us because clearly our rival's pretty good, uh, but we got a little ways to go. Mike Kramer, the big human, he's taught me as much about football in general and the Big Sky Conference as anybody. One of my all-time favorite guys, one of my all-time favorite interviews. you got to tell us, though, what is a recruiting pitch like from the big human? When he's sitting down in your in your living room, when you're 17 years old, that has to be quite a spectacle. Yeah, you know, he was one of those, one of the first people really in my life that I met that was kind of, I mean, the big human is such a perfect nickname. It's like his personality, <laughs> it is. his charisma is just is bigger than life, right? And and you know that everything he's saying might you know might not be exactly accurate, but you want to buy it, right? Like he's a, he's he, I've said this for years that Mike could get a, guys who he hardly knew to run, want to run through a wall for him in in about an hour's time, right? So I remember you know as he recruited me, he was just uh, you know obviously very complimentary and telling me how much they needed me, and and frankly there was a need at quarterback at the time. There was only two quarterbacks under scholarship. Uh, another walk-on kid had like left during spring ball, so they were they were recruiting three quarterbacks in my in my um, recruiting class, uh, three scholarship freshman quarterback, and they were just kind of going to let us duke it out. And I wasn't afraid of that kind of competition, so um, you know I recognized that there was a chance to move up. But yeah, I remember him sitting in my sitting in my living room, or the um, so what had happened was I actually met him on my recruiting trip first, and I had only met Don Bailey prior to that. And I remember sitting in his office, and it's funny, I was just in Jeff Choate's office last week, and I had to tell the story. I was like, I remember sitting here and Mike Kramer looking me in the eyeballs and, and telling me at the end of our little visit that he was going to offer me a, he said, a, a, a full scholarship uh, <laughs> to come play football at Montana State, right? And so, I mean, I was just geeked. I was fired up. I was really <laughs> excited. Uh, and it was pretty fun. I, I'll, I'll tell this quick story. I remember uh, I went, like, after I'd committed that spring, I went to the spring game with my dad. Just two of us went out there. My dad hadn't seen Bozeman yet. This is the school I'm going to be spending a lot of time the next few years. And we're at the post-game, spring game. I think they did a luau barbecue of some sort. And we stepped outside of the old gym, which collapsed this winter under snow. But uh, it, was in, it was in the old intramural gym. And Kramer looked up at uh, the Bridger Range. And he's talking to my dad and I. And he said, yeah, I watched the sunrise from the top of Mount Baldy this morning. And I was thinking about God, what a great player Travis is going to be for us today. And I'm going, <laughs> there's no way, there is no way he hiked that mountain this morning and was thinking about me, you know. So, but you know, it didn't matter. I, I knew I wanted to play for that guy. And uh, anyways, we had a lot of great memories over the years. And uh, you know, I just I love Kramer. The last time that we were at the Big Sky Kickoff in Park City, Kramer decided to not participate in the golf tournament with the media. So we get back to the hotel, we're at the barbecue, and I said, Coach, how's it going? What'd you do today? So we're in Park City. He goes, well, I rode my bike to Provo and back. I said, Mike, that's like 70 miles. He said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he is I amazing. He's oh, absolutely yeah, amazing. yeah. We could tell Kramer stories all day. We yeah, absolutely there's, there's could. stuff like that all over the place. Well, one of the main entry points for this whole thing was we wanted to talk just to you because we talked to Johnny Edwards about this as well. Montana dominated the Big Sky Conference in the 1990s up through then the early 2000s. And Montana was very dominant in the 2000s as well, but there were some other challengers that rose up. Eastern Washington got, because of Mike Kramer laying the foundation and then Paul Wolf taking them to the next level, they, they became competitive. Montana State, when Kramer took over, bottomed the thing out 0-11 in 2000. 
But then by 2002, the thing's rolling a little bit, and then you guys knock off the Grizzlies and you end the streak in Missoula, a 10-7 win. And I remember, I remember it vividly. It was one of my most vivid memories at Washington Grizzly Stadium. For you, what was that memory like, and how much of that was a spark then to you guys going on and competing for Big Sky Championships and perhaps most importantly beating the Grizz three out of the next four years? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely remember that. I mean, that's as vivid as the memory as I have of, of particularly of that era of, of my career. You know, it was so much of that happened just for me from, from my own personal viewpoint. It was such a whirlwind that, that true freshman year I came in, I was probably expecting to redshirt, but knowing that there was a chance that if I became the two, that maybe they wouldn't. And so early in the year, I kind of out of training camp, they named me the second string guy, but they said they were going to try to hang on to my red shirt if they could, but you know, that's, that's hard to do. Um, so then they said, we're, you know, we're not going to register you. So we're going to incorporate you into some of these games. So I played a, a handful of games early in the year. And before I knew it, I'm the starting quarterback. We opened big sky played, we go to Pocatello and, you know, we lose, but it's a competitive game. I, you know, I personally did some good things. And so then it was like, so now I'm just in the fire, right? So now the rest of the year, I'm just hanging on tight to be perfectly honest. I'm, I'm looking around going, uh, I got a lot of seniors and I really felt, a strong responsibility being a true freshman on this team uh, to play well for all the older guys on the team. I know the program is, is trying to, you know, take another step forward. Um, so that was, that was my big motivation was I gotta, I can't be a freshman. I got to play like I'm a, uh, an experienced guy out here. So luckily I had a great support team in in my coaching staff and the players around me. And even in Tyler Thomas, who I had taken the, you know, uh, taken over that starting job from and Tyler was, I mean, I'm sure he wasn't excited about it at first, but he ended up being quite supportive of me. So I just felt comfortable enough that I could go out and play. Um, and, you know, we start to rattle off a few wins here and there. We get hot. The, the, we had a good defensive football team that year. And before you know it, we win a game. Uh, we're watching after the game. We see Montana lose to Eastern Washington. Um, the week before we were set to play them, we're going, holy cow, next week is like, for all the marbles now, right? We'd win the tiebreaker where we'd go to the playoffs. So it just immediately was like, here we go. Uh, and so, you know, I, and it was funny cause I remember it, you know, we used to host a post game bank, but I remember some boosters coming up and me saying, Hey guys, we're not worried about travel. We're not worried about next week's game. You haven't been around a long time. Just find a way to beat Montana in a couple weeks. Right. And I, and I remember uh, Don Bailey was sitting next to me when that guy, said that to me and he's like trap we uh you know we want to beat portland state next week too right I'm like, yeah, so good. Like, like you know uh so anyways yeah we find ourselves and and so that's how quickly it happened so we go to missoula and it, i mean culture you were there just a blizzard of a day i remember throwing balls in warm-ups and you could a lot of times you can't tell how much the wind is swirling but the snow was falling so the you could tell the wind was just whipping in all different directions down on the field i'm throwing balls that are just doing crazy stuff you know they're spinning uh spinning crooked and diving on me and sailing and they're like oh boy this is going to be a tough day throwing the football um yeah, luckily our, our offensive line had a great day ryan johnson probably had his signature moment uh in a bobcat uniform that day i think he had 30 carries for 140 yards or something of the like and uh, we made enough plays in the passing game particularly the big play to the junior adams on the first drive of the third quarter Caught him in a blitz, and I hit June. One of those passes found its mark. He, he snagged it one-handed and scored. And that was, you know, that was the most explosive play on a day that was otherwise, uh, you know, one in the trenches. Um, but I do remember the emotion immediately after the game, just an overwhelming feeling of, holy cow, like we, we did it. Like we took a step. We beat a really good football team. We won 
in Missoula. Uh, that hasn't happened. We, you know, hadn't beat the University of Montana in a long time. So, so, and now we're going to the playoffs and we're planning for playoffs and we're staying home and no guys aren't going home for Thanksgiving. You know, like there was so much that happened so quickly, but to feel the emotion of the Bobcat faithful who had been around for all those years of, of losing and just hearing it over and over and over again. And, and there's no question that that day, especially in hindsight now, looking back to see how much that marked, you know, the turn of the program. And it is just one win, but it, it, it really signified um, the program kind of uh, becoming relevant again on a, on, a, on a national scale or a chance to play in the playoffs. And, and, and it just changed the expectation. And, man, I, I'm, that Portland State game I just alluded to the week before we went and played in Missoula, we played in front of 7,500 people. And, you know, and now they're, they average more than the stadium's capacity was when I was playing there. And right. it's just phenomenal, phenomenal to see. Um, and so, yeah, last week being there and seeing them just handily beat a non-conference opponent, uh, you know, with quarterback question marks, with a couple of tailbacks out, and they still just put up a huge performance. I mean, that's just, it's just so different than when I initially got there. And, and you guys, uh, you know, you alluded to it at the top of the show here. Life. Two Tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Travis Lillay joining us, the former Montana State uh, quarterback, the uh, notably quarterback who helped break the streak his uh, freshman year, true freshman year, won three out of four against the Grizz. And when you look back on that moment and then your career there, how did that, that was that a jumping off point for you? I mean, there's so many people who remember that for so many various reasons, but for you personally, was there a moment where you go, "Holy cow!" You know, I'm I I I'm a part of something, is a significant part of something that's really good. And then, you know, at what point when you're like, "Hey, you know, maybe I could be a professional football player. Maybe I could make a career out of doing that." Was that a was that a spot for you where that sort of step forward started to happen? Well, you know, that, that's a good question. I um, I honestly, I was so um, so tied up in what we were doing in the present moment. Like I I honestly at that point in time had no thought of playing professionally. Not that I didn't want to, but it wasn't as though I thought, oh boy, I, I'm pretty good now. You know, right. maybe I can do this. It honestly wasn't until it was till right until I was about to be a senior. And then I started to recognize that, you know, I had some scouts, you know, asking questions about me and I had some teammates going, oh, well, you're going to play professionally. Right. And I'm going, boy, you know, you guys think I could, you know, like, like maybe <laughs> I ought to give this a run. Right. Um, so, and I, you know, and I don't mean to sound like I was just some awe shucks, kid but I just was I was just really caught up and I, I wasn't worried about that I didn't go to school I didn't go to Montana State thinking oh this could be my launching point to a pro career it just kind of worked out that way and and you know I had also kind of started to recognize that you know everywhere I've been I've been able to rise up so so why would that not be the case on the next on the next level right so I started to develop this kind of self-belief that I, I really think I can do that and so you know I was I was fortunate to you know, not everybody gets, I mean, there's a lot of good football players that get stuck and don't get to play as a young player. You know, I remember thinking if I played two years, if I'm a two-year starter at a university, that's pretty special. Uh, man, I was fortunate. I'm, you know, I started three and a half seasons, essentially, right? And so um, I, I, I did. I, had, I was fortunate to have, you know, that career. Um, and, yeah, and I kind of just chased it from there. But like I said, it wasn't really until later on that I thought, hey, let's give this pro thing a, a run. Well, Travis, I'll tell you what, we really appreciate the time and uh, excited to, you know, to track the next phase in the, uh, in the football administrative <laughs> world uh, for you and, uh, and, and see where it goes from there. But an awesome weekend last weekend and, and fun to reminisce with you. We really appreciate it.
You bet. Thanks for letting me uh, ramble on, on on some of those special memories. No, it was fun chat. Appreciate you guys looking me up. Colter, we know that in Montana there's a lot of hunters, a lot of gun enthusiasts, so you might as well shop local when you're looking for your next firearm or accessory, huh? Soy Armory, they got the best prices around and the best service you'll find anywhere. As the guys over there will tell you, shop with Soy Armory for a year, we guarantee you, you'll save some money. The other thing is they have great knowledge. There's a lot of questions that people have about the right styles and types to suit them and what it is that they're trying to do. And all the guys over at Selway Armory know their firearms and ammunition and accessories inside and out. With locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, Selway Armory has some specialty products as well, including full Sig Sauer inventory for your best in handguns and much, much more. Like Coulter said, two brick-and-mortar locations, one in Missoula, one in Bozeman, and also online, tremendous inventory there. They'll ship everything you want, selwayarmory.com. You. We are also very happy to have coaches from around the league on the show, and this time Jay Hill from Weber State. It is to tell Nuwana's 102.9 ESPN Radio, broadcasting from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Celia and online at KurtzPolaris.com. We go now to the Regis Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the aforementioned head coach of the Weber State Wildcats, Jay Hill. Coach Hill, thanks so much for taking some time out after practice. I know it's busy, especially heading into conference play, although you don't have a conference game this week. Still a huge game for you against Northern Iowa, but thanks so much for being here. How are you? We are doing great. Excited about this game, and it's always good to join you guys. It's, uh, it's certainly great to have you. It is also odd. I mean, for all the asymmetry that the Big Sky Conference has, everybody's playing conference football except for the Weber State Wildcats, who have a, a, a nationally prominent game against Northern Iowa. You, I know you take this thing one week at a time, one team at a time, but is that is that odd to think about the rest of the conference basically playing conference football and you got the Panthers? Well, not really. I mean, that's college football. Everybody's going to play their 12 games this year, and where they place those four non-conference games. I mean, it is what it is, and uh, I'm excited to see how the league pans out this uh, this week, and we obviously have a huge one uh, for ourselves. So uh, it's, it's a big week of football within the conference. Once every only handful of years do you get the extra game, the 12-game schedule at the FCS level, and I know that a lot of teams around the league use that to play maybe an extra buy game, an extra money game, extra FBS matchup. You guys played two different FBS schools yourself, San Diego State and Nevada, fought hard in both of those games. And then you played a, a conference school in a non-conference game with your win over Cal Poly. So take us through your non-conference so far. What have you thought of the way your teams have performed? I know reading and watching you after the Nevada game, I know you guys maybe thought you let some stuff slip away there, but you have to be pretty proud with how the defense has played so far. What's your evaluation just three games in so far for Weaver State? Well, a lot of good and a lot to clean up. Uh, I think we've missed a lot of opportunities. And, you know, in the San Diego State game, we had a kickoff return for a touchdown called back. We had a trick play late in the fourth quarter that was wide open that takes the lead and just missed opportunities. And then, I mean, the Nevada game was one after another after another. And to be the great elite team that we want to be, we've got to make those plays. Uh, Now, I will say this, those were two... Uh, upper-level Mountain West teams, in my opinion, and I think they're both going to have good seasons this year. So I think that fares good for us within the big sky that we've, we've been battle-tested against good teams, and now we just got to find a way to pull those games out when we get into those tough grinders like we've already had this year. 
You know, Coach Weber State, you've gotten your team and your program to a place where it's a national brand, and you've been uh, uh, outstanding, uh, not just in the Big Sky Conference, but but in the country at the FCS level. When you go play a team like Northern Iowa, and it's kind of the final game in the, the Big Sky Missouri Valley Challenge and all that, how much of that consideration does that does that make in a game like this, where, okay, this is to you know continue uh, you know what you've already built in terms of the, the national profile of Weber state now this is huge to me to the program to the university uh to the big sky conference in my opinion this is one of the biggest games of the year now because we're trying to make a statement against a team that i think is one of the better missouri valley teams this year uh the, their rankings uh say that and we have a high ranking they have a high ranking this is going to be big when it comes down to decision time on how many teams we get placed in the in the playoffs at the end of the year uh, we need to fare well. We need to go out and play great this weekend. I know conference play doesn't start for you guys for a little bit, but have you got a chance to maybe look at the overall shape of the league yet? And if so, do you have any thoughts on just the Big Sky race and what it might be like this year? Well, it's so early. There's If anyone tells you they can tell what the race is going to be, they're crazy. <laughs> well, especially in this so, league, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you, you could start 3-0 and and everyone thinks you're great and then go lose your last five. And uh, you might be a team that's considered to be one of the bottom teams in the league, and then at the end of the year it was one of the best teams. And every year that happens. And uh, so I don't place anything. I don't put much stock into to anything until late in the year. I will say this. I think Cal Poly is a legit Big Sky team this year. Uh, having played those guys, they're tough. The offense is better. I think that quarterback's doing a great job with their offense. Um they're going to be. They're going to beat some good teams in the league this year. You know, uh, Jay Hill joining us, head coach of uh, the Weber State Wildcats. Jay, every team in in a, in a conference like the Big Sky is going to have different things that are advantages and different things that are not advantages for them. Especially when you talk about the geography and just the size and the scope of the footprint of the conference. What is is to Weber State's advantage about where you are in the state of Utah and in Ogden? What can you do that maybe other schools aren't able to do, whether it's recruiting or just what, whatever that might be? What's what's great about Weber State for you? Well, I think the most important thing is our ability to recruit. We have an international airport right close to us. Uh, the, the city of Ogden sits right in the middle of the Big Sky Conference. And so we've got a footprint where we can recruit Washington, we can recruit Oregon, we can go all the way down to California, and we got uh, close ties to Arizona and Las Vegas, where some guys, you know, for the, the northern schools to get a California kid, they got to bypass us and two other schools to get there. We're a little bit closer to home for them. Um, I think that's a big advantage. We're in a little bit bigger market than some of the places, so as far as boosters go and finances and things like that, uh, we're for sure up there with the tops in the conference. And, uh, you know, our new facility that we just built is a tribute to what I just mentioned. And so I would say that's probably the biggest strength is recruiting. we got a good base of um, FCS caliber kids in the state of Utah. Uh, so anyway, I think that that's probably our biggest strength. Talk about that element of it, because you guys now, with your on-field performance, winning the Big Sky multiple years in a row, going to the playoffs three years in a row, you've established now consistent success 
in the win-loss column. But then off the field, too, like you said, you guys just opened this beautiful new facility. You guys have added an indoor practice facility, a beautiful new scoreboard. So it seems like the facilities and the resources are there as well. Those two things go hand-in-hand. Hand, but talk about how. I mean, what, what, how much How much is the off-the-field stuff helps the on-the-field stuff, and how much does on-the-field success help then when you're going trying to sell the program to kids? It's both. There's no way we would have these facilities and the upgrades and stuff that we've acquired without the success we've had the last three years. So, I mean, that's kind of what kick-started it. Um, but like I say, you also have to live in a place where there's those resources to be had. And we've got people within the Weber County that, that Ogden sits in that there's a lot of finances available. And we can go out and raise funds, and we got a population base to where we can continue to grow and I think, quite frankly, we're just scratching the surface on what this program can become. Well, you, you're telling me there's not tech stock in Pocatello? They can't just <laughs> build it up? Uh, hey, Coach, I, I'm always curious about this because uh, you have taken Weber State, you know, when you first took over and built this program year by year into a place where it is a national brand, as Culture was saying. But what is there a difference or is there a shift in building a program up to a point and then where you turn the corner and you have to maintain it? And you're, here you are at number five in the nation. What's it like to come into a season with, with expectations and a program that, you know, you expect to, to go a long way into the postseason and so forth? Is that how much different is that from just trying to to get better each year so to speak well i'd much rather have it that way than my first year when you take over and nobody cares about the program no one cares about whether you win or lose they quite frankly no one knows and that that was no fun and so now the higher expectations are more fun the the investment from the university and the community into what we're doing makes it so much better and quite frankly we want to be we want to be considered one of those top we want to be considered one of those top teams in the country, and I don't think the stress of having to win national championships has held North Dakota State back. <laughs> right. I don't think it's held South Dakota State back or Eastern Washington, who's been up there all these years. And you know, and it's not been very long that Montana, for twenty something straight years, was right there. So, I mean, that's what we want. That's what I think we can continue to maintain. But again, we got to do it. This 2019 team hasn't done anything yet. We got to go out and we got a we got a big one this week where we got to go prove what we're all about. On that North Dakota State note, I think that that's an interesting deal. I mean, obviously because they have been so dominant. But what do you think of just the dominance that they've had? I mean, what what is it going to take for Weber State or anybody else in the country to be able to to catch NDSU when they've had so much success like they've had this decade? Well, you, you've got to establish a home field advantage that um, that's going to take you through the playoffs, kind of like they have done. Mm-hmm. When, when they get teams at home through the playoffs and you've got, they got home field advantage all the way throughout, they're, they're going to be hard to beat all the way to Texas because they're so good at home. And we've come close to that here. I think we're 21 and we're 21 and three in the last 24 games at home or something like that. But the reality is um, you're going to have to establish a home field advantage and then maintain your home to be great like they are. And that's what Montana had all those years when, when teams had to go up and play those guys in the cold late in December and Montana fans would show up and there'd be 25,000 people in the stands. I mean, that's what, that's what playoff football is all about. And uh, I think for someone to, overtake them it's going to have to be that atmosphere and james madison was that way two years ago when we went out there they had a great atmosphere late in december um i really believe that 
the teams that are going to get there consistently are going to have to have that kind of program and that kind of support. Again, in the midst of a season, I know you're not really thinking about anything but Northern Iowa right now. But it, it, the Big Sky is so interesting, just as a, you know, in general as a league, it's just so competitive, it's so unpredictable. And so we've asked uh, each of the last couple of Big Sky coaches we've had. I had Tim Walsh on already this week, Jeff Choate, Bobby Houck. Who's a player or two that keeps you up at night when you're thinking about them, preparing for them? Somebody that's an intriguing player in the Big Sky Conference. Well, I know one thing. I don't know about. Right now, I mentioned him. That freshman quarterback at Cal Poly is going to keep people up at night for the next four years. Totally. And, uh, the the kid at Montana State, uh, I should know his name. Troy Anderson. Montana State, but yeah, Troy Anderson. I mean, when you're playing that kid and you got to deal with him on defense and offense and special teams, and I mean, he's he's obviously special. And uh, the quarterback at Montana is putting up big numbers. And Idaho, that kid just had a big game. Um uh, obviously, the quarterback at UC Davis is scary, and the quarterback at NAU is scary. Uh, there's the running back at Sac State that will keep you up. I mean, there's a lot. There's Every team's got one or two that, quite frankly, if you don't do a good job of dealing with them, they can gash you. And we feel like we have those guys. You know, Rashid Shahid's that way. Josh mm-hmm. Davis is that way. Now Kevin Smith, Kevin Smith is back healthy finally, and he's that way. And um, that that's that's part of what makes the big guy so scary is everybody has a couple guys. Well, what what the, what other guy we got to ask you about because I think that it's been so fun to watch him after watching him dominate the league like he did, and now in the NFL, anybody that was associated with the Big Sky Conference, they are not surprised by Cooper Cup's success because the guy was just he was the best. He was the best ticket money could buy in the league. You knew you were getting 10 catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns every single weekend. But now he's doing that in the league. He had over 100 yards and two touchdowns last week in the NFL. So when you see a guy like that translate that success on the field, it must give you some solace as a coach. Hey, we couldn't stop him, but neither can the NFL guys either. Well, Cooper Cup was special in this league for four years. And um, we had the best example of Cooper Cup. We we uh, we played him up there the, the first year we went to the playoffs, and my whole goal in play calling was to stop Cooper Cup. And that year we held him to the lowest catches, the lowest yards, um, probably his worst game of the year. We outgained Eastern Washington that game, seventeen first downs, more first downs than they had, and they beat us fourteen to thirteen. And twice he split bracket coverage where we had him double teamed, and he scored both touchdowns and single-handedly beat us. Um, and that's how that kid was. And somehow, some way, he was going to make the play to win the game, and that's what he's still doing in the NFL. Man, no doubt about it. Well, Jay, we certainly appreciate your time. I think this is going to be the only time that I'll be able to say this. The entire Big Sky Conference is rooting for Weber State this weekend. They want <laughs> no to win over Missouri Valley. And so uh, certainly best of luck to you, though, this week. Uh, Coulter and I both uh, have such tremendous respect for what, you, what you've done and what you continue to do at Weber State with your program and, and always appreciate the time. So thanks so much for that. Best of luck against Northern Iowa and then going forward into conference play, all right? Yep, you guys are great. Appreciate it. Thanks, Coach. Thanks, Jay. Jay Hill. Jay Hill, head coach of the uh, Weber State Wildcats. Uh, I mean, 
it, you know, you can't necessarily. It's 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 not it's it's a fool's errand to sit here and start ranking coaches and who's the best and so forth, unless it's Bill Belichick and then everybody else is you know. But there, I can say this: there's nobody doing it better in the Big Sky Conference than what Jay Hill's doing at Weber State, man. I mean, he's just he he's. Uh, it's so funny too, Coulter, too, because when you know we go to the the Big Sky kickoff and you get. Not just two players, but but generally two captains, guys who've sure. been in the program for for a long time, representing their universities, and therefore, if you have a veteran coach, kids who've been around their coach for a long time, and to watch the personalities of the players reflect the personalities of their coach, it's just almost across the board, especially when they've been there for four or five yes, years, right? Yes. Like now, all the Bobcat guys sound like Choate. They're all they, they do. They all talk right. the same pl- right. talking points. If you didn't notice, Jay Hill is a very matter of fact guy. But I mean, yeah. we had we had Mr. Storyteller Tim Walsh on yesterday. We had Mr. Comedian Bruce Bartom on, on Tuesday. Yep. And Jay Hill is just he's very stoic. He's very straightforward. He's very here is exactly what I think. Here's exactly what's good. Here's exactly what's bad. And his players are the same way. I know you experienced it firsthand. You know th- some of the players for some of the schools. They're just they're happy. They're dancing around. They're you know they couldn't couldn't be happier to be socializing, hanging out. And the the Weaver guys, business like they sit in the corner. They eat their food. They yep. it's 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 amazing to watch. They eat a lot of food. Uh, well, they eat actually Rashishi Heat. I mean, he was there too, and and uh, I mean, just couldn't have been a, a nicer guy. I had such an enjoyable time uh, sitting with him. Uh, but uh, yeah, they they are, it is it is a funny analysis, a psychoanalysis or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it, it's not that surprising, right? I mean, these people spend so much time together and listening to well, this right. one individual. I mean, you are, you you will assimilate just as a matter of, of human nature to the things that you spend time with, right? And, and, well, and, 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 and unfortunately, before the kids get there, and but fortunately when the, after they get there, a lot of these kids don't have come from places where they have male figures in their lives, mm-hmm. and so these guys can establish themselves as truly the paramount father figure or male figure in these young men's lives, and they yeah. do. They spend so much time together as well. But we talk about it all week. Up next, we'll hear from Cal Poly head coach Tim Walsh, one of the great storytellers in the Big Sky Cowards, and a guy who always has an eye on the entire Big Sky. He was at Portland State from 93 to 2006, and he's been at Cal Poly since 2009, including back in the Big Sky since 2012. His team, a whole new era. No Joe Prothrow, no Chris Brown, no Dan O'Graves, none of these brand-name guys running the triple option. But Jaleel Hamler, as you heard Jay Hill talk about there, the real deal at quarterback. And they got some other weapons as well. They will certainly give some teams some problems. They have some dudes on both sides of the ball. So they could be maybe not a dark horse, but a team that could have an influence on the Big Sky Conference race. Here is Tim Walsh talking about his Cal Poly Mustangs and the way he sees the rest of the Big Sky Conference. Love having the opportunity to talk to coaches of the Big Sky Conference, especially when they've seen as much as Tim Walsh has and when we're headed into conference play. It's Tutel Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Great to be with you here on this Wednesday afternoon. We're broadcasting live from the Chris Polaris Studios. Chris Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy, and online at KurtzPolaris.com. We go now to the Rankins Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the head coach of the Cal Poly Mustang football team, Tim Walsh. Coach Walsh, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. How are you? Always. Always good to talk to you and look forward to getting started in the big sky. 
Well, we we are excited to be getting started in the Big Sky as well. What makes the Big Sky such an interesting conference? I mean, you've been around the Big Sky longer than anybody now that's in the coaching ranks of the Big Sky. What do you? What makes the Big Sky unique to you? Well, I think even when it was eight teams, I mean, you know, you know, nine teams, it was so competitive, uh, week in and week out, and it was pretty diverse in what people were doing, and I think it stayed diverse in what people are doing offensively and defensively. But people are still scoring points. That's been the common factor and the common thread. And it has become, in my opinion, ultra-competitive. I think all the way through it, from Teams 1 through Team 13 on any given week. You know, I mean, even the year a couple years ago, (laughs) I hate to talk about it, when we had a bad year, we played some really tough games against some really good teams. I mean, Weaver State beat us 20-14. to Southern Utah won the championship and beat us 20-14. to We were in games, and we just couldn't find ways to win them. Uh, and I think that uh, that's what makes the conference so good is that each week, regardless of where you are, you have the opportunity to beat a, a very a quality football team and really turn your season into something that could be positive. There was several uh, different men that were in this league for a really long time, uh, namely Mike Kramer, Jerome Sowers, uh, each of those guys, 20-plus years in the Big Sky Conference, but they're not around anymore. But now Dan Hawkins back into the Big Sky Conference. I know he was a guy that you crossed paths with earlier on in your career. But now you're kind of the godfather of the league, having been in the league on and off since 1993 for the majority of the last 25-plus years. Well, first of all, what's it like being kind of the, the don of the league right now? But also, what, how have you seen the league just evolve over that time, that time span? Well, there's no offense. You've seen a lot of coaches come and go for various reasons. A lot of great football coaches that have had the opportunity to move on, and that's a good thing. And a lot of other coaches that have decided maybe to end their careers where they were. Uh, and when that happens, the influx of new blood and new philosophies and some really good young coaches. I mean, I really have a lot of respect for the guys that are in the league right now and what they're trying to accomplish. Montana State, uh, you know, I think Jeff Choate does a great job. Obviously, I think Troy Taylor is a great fit for Sacramento State. Uh, obviously, Hawks doing a great job at UC Davis, uh, and then you go down, you know, at Eastern Washington. I think however it got Coach Best, the guy that played there for Coach Kramer and, and played there for Coach Wolf and the guys when they were in their glory days as well, and continuing the traditions that they've had. Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting dynamic. And then you, you bring back uh, Coach Houck at Montana, and I think that uh, this league right now is probably in its comp- most competitive state that it's ever been in, and that has a lot to do with the coaches and the. They're fired to, to get their programs to be the best one of the best programs in the country. Coach, you, this is a kind of an interesting year where you can do a 12-game schedule this year, and you guys uh, played three games in the non-conference and then had a bye week last week heading into this. First of all, was that by design to, to do that, to get the extra week off? And what does that do to set you up as you head for Southern Utah this weekend? Well, I think it was twofold. I mean, number one, we were already playing six away games, and we didn't want to play seven away games. That was part of it. And sometimes we have difficulty finding out-of-conference games that want to come to San Luis Obispo because the travel could be difficult uh, if you're not chartering. So uh, once we decided that we weren't going to play, unless we could play at home, we weren't going to play a 12th game. And, uh, you know, I think it could have an impact on us. I mean, if we go... Uh, seven and four, and somebody else goes eight and four. That eight and four team might get in the playoffs unless we beat them along the way, you know. And I think that that could be a, a factor that we're not fired up about. I wasn't excited about the first week of school having to be last week going on the road again. Uh, we were already had three. We were already going to do three in a row, and I didn't want to do four in a row. Uh, so uh, that week came at a good time too. We played an extremely competitive 
first three weeks at the University of San Diego, and then Weber State, who's physical, and then an Oregon State team that I think offensively for sure is better than people think. You mentioned the Weber State matchup. That's been something that's been sort of commonplace in the Big Sky since the league expanded with the addition of Cal Poly, Southern Utah, North Dakota, and UC Davis in 2012. Big Sky teams allowed to play other Big Sky teams in non-conference games. And it's a necessity a lot of times because there's hardly any FCS teams out west. If you want to play a West Coast team and you're on the West Coast like Cal Poly, if, if you can't get San Diego to play you, you kind of have to go schedule a, another Big Sky team. But what was that dynamic like playing a, you know, not only a conference <laughs> not playing not only yeah. a conference foe, but also a top ten team at your second week of the season in a non conference game? Well, let's put it this way: number one, I didn't mention Jay Hill either. I think Jay Hill does a tremendous job at Weber State. Some of the things that are happening there are incredible, and I really think he's got a chance this year to go away if they can stay healthy, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But they're Extremely well coached, and I have a lot of respect for Jay. But and I don't have any no disrespect meant to the people that preceded him. But when we signed that deal to play him two years out of conference, we had just beaten him forty nine to nothing. And I thought, well, that's good. yeah. They said we get Weaver State home and home. I said take it. <laughs> so we took it. Jay Hill comes in, and we beat him this first year, and then the next three years, I mean, he's been pretty darn good. And uh, so that program's turned around quite a bit. So I wasn't expecting. Uh, the last two years to play a team that was going to finish in the top 10 each year, and they're going to again this year. Uh, they're that good. But it's a great test for us, and uh, we do like to play the best football we can play. So we got in a Weaver State maybe at the wrong time, but I think it's going to make us a better better team long run by playing uh, that quality of an opponent. We were teasing Jay Hill at the Big Sky kickoff. We said, your guys, your Weaver State players that you bring to this thing, they could not wear their jerseys, and we'd still know they were from Weaver State because they're just so big and strong. And there's a lot of big and strong guys that show up at that thing, but they've brought a couple tremendous physical specimens the last couple of years. How much of that oh, is yeah. a part of their success, just the physical makeup of the guys he's able to recruit? Well, and especially, I mean, in both, in both styles of play. Offensively, I mean, you know, they're not necessarily the flashiest team, flashiest team offensively. They're kind of a grind it, you know, don't make mistake, and they're big and they're strong. And then defensively, I mean, no, they, they, they ran in against us at least eight different defensive linemen that all could have started here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And they all looked the part when they run on the field, and everybody talks about who's got the best defensive line on the West Coast. I, you know, I get it that Utah's probably it, but I don't think that Weber State's far behind them. I'm not going to lie to you. I think that they're that good on the, the defensive front, and they look the part, like you just said. I mean, they walk in and in their uniforms, they fill their uniforms up pretty good, and it's not sloppy looking; it's muscular looking. So, I think it's had a lot to do with their success, and probably what they've done in the off season in the weight room and create the mentality that they have uh, in their program about how they win games with special teams, great defense, and a rugged offense that's going to score twenty four to thirty points, and they're not going to allow you to do that. Tim Walsh joining us. He's the head coach of Cal Poly. Cal Poly at Cedar City to open up Big Sky Conference play uh, against Southern Utah. And Coach, uh, you graduate one of the great running backs in, in the history of the Big Sky Conference and Joe Prothrow uh, uh, this past season. And, and you know, you run a, a triple option. And it seems like you always got somebody who's coming down there from Brown to, to Prothrow and so forth. You've had some great ones come through. But particularly a guy like that, how do you replace, you know, a, a guy who was just as good as he was and, and such a, an important uh, a piece for you for, for several years? Well, obviously there's some positions on our offense that are difficult to, re- to recruit to. That's one that's not because uh, we recruit big tailbacks out of high school. So there, these yeah. are high school guys like Joe that were used getting the ball 30 and 35 times in high school and wanted to do the same thing in college. And, you know, Zooey Trans-Sampson is the guy that's getting the opportunity now, but 
there's guys behind him that, that are really good players too. So over the years that Joe has been there, we were able to stockpile that from a guy that's a senior now all the way down to a guy that's a freshman now that we think are really good football players. They're a little, they're all a little bit different. Which you know, Dusty Crampton is a true freshman from St. Mary's High School in, in uh, Stockton, California. He led the state in rushing when he was a, and we think that he has the ability to be a lot like Joe. He's really just a big tailback. Dewey, on the other hand, is more of a tail. I mean. He's the fastest of the bunch. I mean, he ran 21.9 in the 200 in high school. I mean, he's 6'1", 6'2", and 217 pounds. He probably couldn't run that now because he put on about 15 pounds, but he's still a step faster than maybe we've had there in the past. So uh, it's been a position that we think has been easy to recruit to because they know they're going to get the football and have the opportunity to rush for 1,000 yards each and every year that they start. Julio Hamner, he was the uh, Big Sky Conference Offensive Player of the Week the first week out, uh, your quarterback now. You guys have had some transition there, too, going from Chris Brown to Dan O'Graves to Khalil Jenkins, and now a new guy there with Jaleel. Uh, tell us about his skill set, because just looking at your statistics and watching you guys a little bit, it seems like he can throw the ball a little bit as well. Well, I mean, he's got a guy to throw it to. I mean, J.J. Kotsky, I mean, people are saying I mean, every team has already been here. I mean, most of the guys have graded the fourth or fifth round draft choice, and he is that good. Uh, you know, we played Oregon State, you know, after the game, they said, well, we knew he was good. We didn't know he was that good, and he is that good. So he's got a target to throw to, and Quentin Harrison on the other side of him has improved tremendously, too. And then Jalen has some talent as well. So I think that uh, Jalen won a battle of three guys, and it was extremely close. All three of those guys since spring football got equal repetitions within maybe 10 snaps of each other all the way through that time. And we just felt he won it because he kind of possesses something that we look for in that position, and that's kind of the, the, the other factors other than uh, just the athletic factors, which they all have, or the, uh, the ability to throw it or the ability to run it or whatever it might be. He's kind of got the it factor, and he's able to deal with the ups and downs of that position and the leadership that goes with it very well. So we're extremely excited. I mean, his ceiling is large. I mean, he's nowhere near what he's going to be. Uh, I, I really think as the season progresses, you're going to see a bigger, better uh, more confident player as the year gets going, and uh, hopefully it happens again this Saturday and give us a great start. But in the next three or four years, you're going to hear a lot about Jalen Hamlin. Coach, uh, in, in a day and age where the proliferation, especially offensively, is just really kind of blossomed across college football and you have you know the air raid stuff and the RPO stuff and all, all kinds of different things going you, of course, have been running the triple option uh, you know, forever there at Cal Poly. What is it about that style, even though you are incorporating some more throwing and so forth, like you say, what is it about the triple option that just works for you and works at Cal Poly? Well, I think the thing at Cal Poly that really we don't, you know, because of our academic standards and we just really recruit the state of California, uh, you know, so when we use our academic pool, what we can get into school, I mean, no offense to everybody else in the conference, I mean, Probably 85% of the players we play against, we can't even say hi to in the recruiting process right. uh, because of the academic standards. So our academic standards shrink really drastically. I mean, it shrinks our pool down. And then you add to it that you have the Ivy League recruit in California, you have the academies recruit in California, and the big four in Stanford, Cal, UCLA, and, and USC that are all going to take, you know, so our pool shrinks pretty big. So we don't need to be six foot six and 315 pounds. We can play with Six foot one and six foot two offensive linemen that are really good football players, but everybody passes on them because maybe they don't pass the eyeball test. And we've had a lot of great ones, and that's kind of what we've built the program on: are those kind of guys that are tough, kind of have a chip on their shoulder because they thought they were good enough to play maybe other places. We were able to get them, and the same goes with our slot back position. And you don't have to be; it doesn't have to be a six foot one, two hundred and fifteen pound guy that can do it and down in and down out. We can play with 
smaller, quicker, tougher dudes that kind of have that academy mentality. So that has a lot to do with why we run what we run. And uh, I think we've had success on offense. I think that, you know, I think that it is getting tougher and being in a conference where you play everybody every year and they kind of get the beat on you and they see how other people defend you. And that makes it a little bit more difficult to be as efficient as you want to be. So we are always going to be constant in, in changing the mode, but we're never going to lose our identity that we are a supply team. That's going to be the identity we have, and, and that, that helps the pass game, and that helps some of the other run game things that we do outside of the supply. Tim Walsh, longtime coach at Cal Poly, joining us, and Tim will get you out of here on this. Last year, the Big Sky Conference breaks through with four teams in the FCS playoffs, including three that are in first-round buys and seeds. It seems as if now the Big Sky, like you said, it's been competitive forever, but now it's really back in terms of national recognition. And if you were to add Montana to the fold now, with them being a top-20 team, as competitive as ever, as you and your team and the rest of the league kick off Big Sky Conference play on Saturday, what's going to be the key factor to navigating this league competitive as it is? Well, I think there's already been a lot of surprises. I mean, how many people thought Eastern Washington would be where they are right now with right. the amount of returning players that they had? I mean, that's that's incredible to me. I think that UC Davis is obviously, I knew they, everybody knew they would be good again this year, and they are good. I do think that, you know, they got North Dakota State at the right time. I mean, they graduated a lot of guys from last year's team. So a lot of guys that started a lot of years in a row. So you got some guys that are still in their growth pattern probably at North Dakota State. <laughs> And uh, that's how they've been good year in and year out. And I think that Davis showed, you know, everybody in the country that, you know, the big sky is for real by how well they played them. And they really had a chance to win. I, I watched that game streamed. I mean, they had a chance to win that football game, you know. So it's unfortunate uh, for our conference that maybe they didn't, but it still made a great showing for our conference kind of help with playoff time. And, and you know, and, and this is no offense to the rest of the conference champions, but conference champions that get in, if you're really going to select the best 24 teams, there probably should be six from the Missouri Valley, and there probably should be six from the Big Sky. No doubt. Right? And I know that's not going to happen, but in reality, that's what should happen. If you really want to have a tournament of the best 24 teams in the country, uh, that's how many teams probably are good enough to continue to play uh, once they get through their leagues. I mean, our league right now, by the time you get through our I mean, I, this year, the way it's looking, I don't know, six and two, be a pretty good record, maybe. You know, and I think that that's the part that you got to shoot for is, Six and two, and be well enough respected by what you did in your preseason schedule. That gives you an opportunity to continue to, to continue to play. I mean, I couldn't really right now. If you had to pick who was going to be the conference champion, I mean, going in, I would have said Eastern Washington and Weber State. You know, probably were my top two picks. But the way Montana State's playing, Montana's playing well. Obviously, D.C. Davis is playing extremely well, and I'm telling you, the dark horse right now, in my opinion, is Sacramento State. Yep, yeah. So uh, they are really good on defense, and they've been their two losses are to two competitive teams. And I think there's a bunch of unknown teams, and we might be one of them. Uh, I think Portland State might be unknown, and Idaho obviously woke some people up with the way they played on Saturday. So uh, I just think this conference, uh, you know, you got Case Cook is down at NAU. I mean, there's you go through every team. <laughs> right. Who's going to win it? I, mean, I don't. I don't know. It's going to be staying healthy. It's going to have a lot to do with it. You better win at home and find a way to at least split on the road. If you can go two and two on the road and go four and zero oh at home, you got a great chance to be in the mix at the end of the year. And I think that that's that's what our goal is. Is you got to find a way to win games on the road, and then you got to protect your house. And if you can do that, then you have an opportunity to continue to play in, in late November and December. Well, Coach, we certainly appreciate the time. Best of luck this weekend at Southern Utah. And for folks in our neck of the woods, Montana State, the weekend after that uh, in Cal Poly, in San Luis Obispo. So uh, big start for you to the start of the season. We really appreciate your time, though, and being with us. 
Yeah, we're out bringing our surfboards and stuff. It's supposed to be in the 80s on October 5th. So. I'm into that. Be beautiful you know? day at the ocean. Should be a beautiful day at the ocean. <laughs> so we'll look forward to seeing you guys. Tim Walsh, head coach of the Cal Poly Mustangs football team. Great to have Coach Walsh on with us. I uh, really appreciate that. And and there's a guy who knows. I mean, when you talk about when he starts laying out the Big Sky Conference for you and the way the way, you know, it goes and it's, you know, ebbs and flows and, and, and uh, you know, the serpentine route that is always taken by any team to get to the end of the year. Nobody's lived it more than that guy right there talking about it. So uh, we, we appreciate that. That's good stuff. Next up, we hear from Dan Hawkins, UC Davis, third-year head coach. He led the Aggies to 10 victories a year ago, including a bye in the first round of the FCS playoffs, then a victory in the second round of the FCS playoffs, and now his team, the one of the favorites to win the Big Sky Conference title again, and they have probably the matchup in the country outside that Weber State-Northern Iowa matchup as they host the number 19 Montana Grizzlies this week. Should be a war in Davis, California. Davis, a seven-point favorite, coming off of their 27 27- to 16 loss at North Dakota State last week. They played really well on both sides of the ball. They moved the ball effectively, and they held NDSU's powerful running attack in check. So we'll see if that can translate. Montana's going to have an advantage when they're on offense on the perimeter because those receivers can just dice man coverage at such a prolific pace. But the Grizz, they've been blitzing a lot. They haven't been getting home a lot. And if you blitz Jake Mayer a lot, UC Davis is All-American quarterback. He might shred you. So we'll see how that matchup plays out as well. Definitely going to be a... X's and O's chess match between two of the best programs in the Big Sky Conference. Here's Dan Hawkins on how he sees his team, how he sees the rest of the Big Sky. Golter, we know that in Montana there's a lot of hunters, a lot of gun enthusiasts, so you might as well shop local when you're looking for your next firearm or accessory, huh? Soy Army, they got the best prices around and the best service you'll find anywhere. As the guys over there will tell you, shop with Soy Army for a year, we guarantee you, you'll save some money. The other thing is they have great knowledge. There's a lot of questions that people have about the right styles and types to suit them and what it is that they're trying to do. And all the guys over at Selway Armory know their firearms and ammunition and accessories inside and out. With locations in both Missoula and Bozeman, Selway Armory has some specialty products as well, including full Sig Sauer inventory for your best in handguns and much, much more. Like Coulter said, two brick-and-mortar locations, one in Missoula, one in Bozeman, and also online, tremendous inventory there. They'll ship everything you want, SelwayArmory.com. We go now to the Rankage Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in the third-year head coach of the UC Davis Aggies, Dan Hawkins, the Aggies hosting Montana in their first uh, conference game this Saturday in a big, big game in the Big Sky Conference. Coach, thanks so much for taking the time out and spending it with us. How are you? Appreciate you having the eggs on. Well, we're happy to have the eggs on, the number four team in the nation and uh, just an outstanding football team, what you've done there. We've been watching from afar and and, and uh, really admiring uh, what you've done there at UC Davis. Before we get into this season, what's it been like for you? We know it's your alma mater and, and you had some time off from coaching. You come back to it now. What's it like for you to be at UC Davis right now as the head coach? Well... It's really fulfilling from the standpoint of, I think, our model here of the total student-athlete and how we were raised in this program of being able to be good in school and take care of your personal life and play good football was a model that we all believed in and subscribed to. Um, And we have a chancellor and an AD that are extremely supportive of what we're trying to do, and we're have started the initial phases of a $50 million football facility that's going up. And uh, we have people that believe in what we're doing and supporting what we're doing. And 
It's a major institution. We've got 35,000 students here, um, ranked nationally and globally in a lot of academic areas. Uh, but it's fun to be here and be a part of that, be around good people that support you and believe in your mission and what it is you're trying to do. That's just really, really a good feeling. I talked to Bobby Houck about this earlier this week, but Bobby Houck, Dan Hawkins, the only two coaches in the Big Sky Conference that are the head coaches at their alma maters. What is unique about that? What makes that special? Well, you you obviously bleed a little bit. I think sometimes people can make a little bit more of that maybe than it is, but you certainly understand. Obviously, the Grizz have amazing tradition, and you know you're you you're familiar with all the the games and the history and the players and the coaches and what went down and how it went down and. Uh, all that stuff is very, really rel- it's relevant uh, in your mind because you've been a part of that, uh, and all that stuff makes it makes it extremely fun. So it's not it's not just another job. It's not just another paycheck. It's something you sort of believe in and and really is a part of your background. And it's it's like being part of a family. You understand all the ins and outs of of all everything that made it up. We usually don't discuss the media procedures of this sort of things, but I know your guys' sports information department has been great this week, and they set this up for us. But they said you had to do seven interviews today, which I mentioned that only because I think it just puts in full display the magnitude of this matchup, a surging UC Davis team that has established their national reputation against a Montana team that has such a traditional uh, national prominence. So on that element, what do you think of just the matchup you guys have on hand, and what's this been like for you guys to watch the, the level that your program's risen to these last couple of years? Well, like I said, I think it's been fun for our university, and we are nationally and internationally known for so many academic programs, and it's great to provide exposure and be a front porch to an amazing university. And that's part of, uh, I think, what a great athletic program can do for a university. And so that's been great. So we're able to shed a lot of light. UC Davis is is prominent in a lot of, whether it's the internet or TV or radio, and that's, that's a good thing for your university. Um, we really just want to be as good as we can be. We certainly admire what Montana has done and respectful of what they've done and understand that. And, you know, their, their place in the conference and they're as good as anybody. And they're always be uh, kind of the benchmark uh, for this league. I had to get my daughter to suspend her alumni dues this week though. So I said, you can only carry this Montana degree so far. You're going to have to cut out the, the alumni donation this week. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, it's got to stop at some point, right? Uh, Dan Hawkins, the head coach of the UC Davis Aggies, uh, joining us here on Tutelum Nuanas. And, Coach, obviously it's a shift for everybody when you move out of the non-conference schedule and into the conference portion of the season, especially you know at the FCS level. But you guys coming off uh, you know, a really hard-fought game at North Dakota State, is there is there an added element when you're in the last – non-conference game was such a big game, such a national, uh, you know, on, on such a national scale and against such a good team? I I don't know. We just sort of approach it. I mean, you got to try to hit the pitches that are thrown at you. And I don't – we don't try to make too much of it one way or another, whether it's on the road or it's home or they're supposed to be good or they're supposed to not be good or what are they ranked or not ranked or what's their logo. We just try not to really get into that too much. I think it's fun to – it's fun to play good teams and go to places you haven't been before and be a part of that. But, 
as you guys know, this, this league is unbelievable. There's a lot of great coaches and good players and good teams. And uh, so we try not to make too much or too little of, of any contest. And I mean, we, we got Montana squarely, squarely in, in front of us and, you know, getting our full attention. With, with league play opening this week, do you have any overall gauge on what your expectations are for across the conference, what the league race might be like this year? I have no clue. You guys know one of the things that makes this league just amazing is it's just funny how every year somebody jumps up that everybody thought wasn't going to be good, and then maybe somebody that thought was going to be good isn't. And I don't know. I think as soon as you start trying to be Nostradamus, you're going to be in trouble because <laughs> yeah. there's there's too many twists and turns. I, I don't know. It's hard to predict, and I don't even try to go there. I don't, I don't try to get into that. Coach, when we talk about now this particular matchup uh, uh, against the Grizz, uh, you know, UC Davis has been uh, so pro- proficient and prolific offensively and obviously with, with Jake there as your quarterback, but also really substantial defensively through the non-conference schedule this year, I think, as well. But the thing to me is is I, I think that UC Davis and Montana have maybe a couple of the better coaching staffs that I've seen and some of the, the uniqueness that you bring to the table and the skills and the, uh, and the schemes and things like that. What have you seen out of Montana, just from a schematic standpoint, particularly defensively, where they really loaded up on the back end with five DBs, basically in their base form? Yeah, they're good all the way. I mean, you know, Bobby's been a defensive guy and a special teams guy, and that certainly shows up. And I mean, Rosie's been around and seen enough football. I mean, everything they do gives you problems, and they're so doggone good at it. And they play 100 miles an hour and. I mean, it's it's mind bending all the time in terms of what happens, and you know, there's there's no plays off and there's no schemes off, and uh, it's it's tough. But but part of that is a coach and a player you like. I mean, that's why you do it, and that's why you try to play at a high level and be a part of that. That you can go test yourself every Saturday. Watch your guys's entire game against North Dakota State last week. Was really impressed with your effort on both sides of the ball, but particularly the defensive effort went toe to toe with one of the toughest teams in the country. What was your evaluation of your guys' defensive effort last week at NDC? Yeah, I thought we played great. I thought we really played great. We really did. I thought they put us in a position to win the game and uh, did a great job against a team that loves to run the football and is extremely multidimensional, extremely. And I think their quarterback is multi-talented, can really run. Now, he's younger and maybe not as adept totally in the throwing game that they want, but, I mean, he can spin it. Now, he can really spin it, and he's a big dude. And he's fast, and they're physical. And but I thought our guys did a really nice job. I thought our scheme was good. I thought we played hard, um, put us in a position to do some things really well um, against a very good football team. You know, coach, it's it's there, it's one thing to kind of build a program up and get to you know a high water mark and be really good, and then it's another thing to be good and to stay good. And you're in a position now where you know you guys have been good, and now it's trying to maintain you know that sort of that high level of of performance on the football field. I know you go about this holistically, but what's it like to transition maybe out of building a program and into maintaining a program? It's always the same as you, you're you're your benchmark is the mirror and you better keep picking up the trash and you better keep the chairs in order and you better get to practice 15 minutes early and you better watch the ball. And it's all those, those things that you do every single day. And uh, like I said, when you start trying to measure yourself against somebody's opinion or another team, uh, I think you're in trouble. 
And that's really the trick is just to wake up every day and, and try to be the best version of yourselves. And sometimes that's easier said than done. But, I mean, we, we don't have a funeral when we lose. We don't have a parade when we win. We don't, <laughs> we don't have an expectation that we're supposed to win or we're supposed to lose. Uh, we just don't operate that way. We don't think that way. We don't talk that way. We don't move that way. We mentioned your defensive effort last week. What's your evaluation of Montana's offense, and what are your expectations for that matchup? Again, still, you know, extremely multi-dimensional. You know, running quarterback always gives you headaches, and a lot of different formations, and a lot of guys to throw it to, and a variety of personnel. People, it's not like you can load up on one guy because you can't. I mean, they're they do a nice job, spread you out, give you a little eye candy. It's tough. It's tough. Dan Hawkins, head coach of the UC Davis Aggies with you. And, Coach, one last question for you. Obviously, it can always be turnovers and things of that nature, but specifically to this game, what do you think is something that you, you're you looking at it that you think will be a key in terms of the outcome and, and who's going to come out on top? You just, you just said it. I was trying to steer you away, you know. I didn't want the turnover answer because, well, that's, you yeah, know, it's that true. That's the answer. That's the eternal answer for every game. I mean – I mean, that's, that's the eternal answer. I mean, that's that'll be a large determinant of what, you know, what happens in the game. But, I mean, you can always look at explosion plays or, you know, you have things in special teams, and uh, that's always a critical part. The running game is always part of it as well. But, I don't know, I've been coaching football a long time, and it's hard to win football games when you turn the ball over more than the other team. That's hard to do. Well, Coach, that is a fact, and we uh, we certainly appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, personally, I've I admired the way that you have done it there at UC Davis since you took over and, and really appreciate you coming on with us, and we're really looking forward to this football game and, and continued success uh, throughout this season and beyond, okay? Appreciate it, guys. Thanks a lot. And finally, the one you've been waiting for, Bruce Barnum, head coach, Portland State. One of the funniest interviews I've ever conducted. I won't even set it up. I'll just let Barney have the floor. Bruce Barnum, Portland State. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Bruce Barnum, one of our favorites. Coach Barnum, thanks so much for taking the time out and being with us here on the radio this afternoon. How are you? Hey, going well, guys. Going. You guys sound like the real deal, man. You know what? Well, we've been we've been practicing and faking it for long enough now. You know, we're starting to try and get there. Well, you know, I, I called early and David plugged me in there, there in the back. You know, and he told me, you know, I got the beep button, Barney. Be careful, please. Yada, yada. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm listening to the full. Ryan show and I'm like God what is this this is like the real deal we're in New York City yeah I mean one day maybe we'll get paid for all this <laughs> you should do, you know for you should I, you know I, I agree I agree if you'd write us a letter I'd appreciate that I, I will I'll, who should I send it to Trump I, yeah. 
He's a little locked down, ain't he? <laughs> well, Bruce, uh, you guys uh, two and two on the season, and I guess if you looked at the schedule at the start, that's about where you where you'd be. But what's it like to go? You play an SEC school, who, by the way, I mean, you go to Arkansas 2013, an unbelievable performance to me uh, from your from your guys week one. You handle your business in week two. You play a really good Boise State team week three. You handle your business again in week four, and now for the first time you play maybe a like opponent, you know, it is the open big sky play at Idaho State. But what's it like in the non-conference for you going up and down and up and down all the time? Well, we talked about that today. I mean, we're, we're going to, you know, as far as conferences to the top to the bottom. It's like a roller coaster, but um, we almost snuck one down in Arkansas. Don't get me wrong, though. Our offense, they had a real SEC defense, guys. Uh, they had a linebacker and a couple corners and a D tackle that uh, we didn't do much. Our, our our quarterback Davis was running for his life, but our defense. I'll tell you what, they were fun to watch. They've been fun to watch now for four weeks. Um, they're dialing people up. They're striking. They're uh, you know last year in the system they're kind of well where do I fit? You know and we weren't fast enough. We had to go year the cheetah in recruiting. Uh, so we got that side faster. I put about six more scholarships extra over there, you know, figured we could manufacture some points this year, but I like how the defense is playing, you know, and offense, you know, coming along. Uh, but uh, we go to week two, like you said, you know, uh, everybody played uh, sloppy though. I got an issue right now with penalties. In the first two game turnovers, but we got better. The first game, we threw it to them three times, you know. But the next game, we fumbled it three times. So you know, it's kind of a glass half full. You know, good job, guys. You're not throwing picks. <laughs> but then we've had no turnovers the last two weeks. But the penalties, I got to clean up the penalties before we go into mighty Bingo Land. I got to ask you about that defense, Coach, because I know that you guys were so good on defense your first year as the head coach, and so much of that was Patrick Onwasser and his tremendous year, finishing as a finalist for the FCS Defensive Player of the Year, and now he's been a, a standout, quite honestly, in the NFL. Uh, but you guys have gone through a, a complete overhaul in terms of scheme, and now you mentioned last year they were still kind of trying to feel out Coach Sadat's scheme, but when it was good, it was great, and you know, oh. Fans in Missoula saw full force the way that, that that flex defense can really confuse you. How much different is the defense now that a lot of your guys have another year under their belts? And what is the hardest part to learning that defense when you have it more or at least close to having it mastered? How does it sort of challenge people, when, challenge opposing offense? Well, culture, you have to trust each other, number one. You have to trust the guy next to you. And, you, you know, you can't try to be the guy on the field making especially in this you have to do your job that one out of 11 and if you do it all fits together you know you're able to put pressure on guys uh through through protections you know by by attacking their protections very easily easier than you know all the backs on this side or you know we'll attack the back with this fire zone look it's a different look it's a different blitz and they see every other week that's why i, I brought it back Back in the day, um, Coulter, this is the one when Pyam, when they ran this at Cal Poly, it was the one defense I, I, I struggled scoring on. We finally figured it out, you know, after like year four. And I, you know, I put Jared Allen on offense too that year, and we went down there and beat him. <laughs> but that's why I brought him. I said, you know what? I'm, uh, this has been gone for a while. 
We brought it back. The guys are trusting each other. They're playing fast, you know, and, uh, you know, we're mixing the zone man look better than we did last year. Bruce Barnum joining us, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings. They uh, play at Idaho State to open Big Sky Conference play Saturday. And, Coach, last year, uh, your team had struggled kind of earlier in the year, and you came into Missoula and got a, a, a huge win, 22-20 on a last-second field goal, and then went on, on to win a, a couple other games, had a, a three-game winning streak there in the middle of the season. But for, for folks in Missoula, what was that win like for you, for your program, and what, is there any carryover from last year into this year coming out of that well here's here's some behind the scenes stories the biggest carryover is dots pretzels <laughs> swear I to God. can't wait for you to tell the story you told me this in spokane i cannot yep. wait for you to tell the story yep and i've got how i've got bobby's box sitting right here in front of me i'm trying to decide when to send it what happened was we got sponsored by dots pretzels they send me about 10,000 pretzels a month. You know, I'm feeding them to the homeless. I'm feeding them to every team here. And But what I did, because I didn't know if they're going to do it again. It's, it's a July through December deal. So I sent Dot and her husband. I got a picture. I should have sent. I showed it to Bobby. I got a picture of my kicker at Montana. I'm looking at it right now because we put big games pictures for recruiting up in my office and nut my kicker is it's from the end zone looking out through the goalpost and the ball is dots a dots pretzels bag (laughs) i showed it to how get the you know get together and have a hamburger thing in july when we were you know shooting the bull after one of the meetings (laughs) and he started laughing i said you know what i'm gonna send the mighty grizz a box of dots pretzels because when I sent her that picture as a thank you, uh, they called me up and said, you know, Barney, you you brought Dots to the West. Thank you for the picture, and we'd like to sign you for another year. So I figured, oh, how can the Mighty Grizz, you know, a couple cases of Dots pretzels. Well, I'm sure they'll appreciate that very much. <laughs> I think that's, uh, you know, the least that you could do, I mean, after all, right? But- yeah, it was a big win for us. Nobody nobody wins in that place. I, I, I've been an assistant coach, a head coach. I'd never won there till that game. We've been close, you know, and then the fans take us out of it. We were in the red zone one year when I was at Idaho State, I think six times, and I think we scored three points because the fans are on top of you. And they made – you're talking about a 12th man. They crushed us that year. So I learned from that year. I learned from when we were up and we got beat. I learned when McCaffrey went down when Bresky was a D coordinator was smiling Joe I, I learned from each piece and you know throughout that week going in you know besides cranking up that cotton eye Joe song and telling stories about one of my coaches punching Monty in the thing and stealing the flag <laughs> and in the tunnel and the whole shooting match I tried to prepare him for it so what what I saw was when we got to the end of that, when we got to the second half, you know, most people, you know, you saw the guy from uh, Sac State that year spraying himself with Pam on the side. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. All the stuff they make up. I just said, you know what? Just hang in there. We lucked out at the end. We threw a couple plays. And, you know, Bobby, uh, the mighty Hawk, uh, if I talked to my kicker, after the game, you know, because they're all celebrating. They think they won the Super Bowl. And, and I said, well, you know, what happened? Talk to me. That was a hell of a kick, son. He said, coach, 
you know, he's a little fresh, not nose freshman. And he said, Coach, I said, God, I'm so glad their head coach called a timeout. I said, what are you talking about when he iced you? He said, yeah, I was so, I was so nervous, Coach, but when he called a timeout, I, I, I calmed down. And so I thank Hawk for that this summer, too. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Barnum joined us, head coach, Portland State University. And, uh, Coach, let's talk about the big sky this year. Like you said, you're still w- learning what it is you're going to learn about your team. You no like opponents yet, two FBSs and, and two playdown games. But have you started to look? Uh, take a look at the league? I know you guys got Idaho State this week, so you're obviously preparing for the Bengals. But do you have any gauge on maybe what some of the key storylines or some of the key narratives are coming into the league this year? Well, it's interesting. Obviously, you know, Jay still has a hell of a defense. I'll just run through it. Tell, tell me, uh, tell, let's do it this way. You tell me each team, and I'll give you my rundown. Okay, okay. This, this is my fun. Like okay, this, so we'll, we'll start with the three defending conference champions. So we'll start with Jay Hill and Weber State Wildcats, number one. Still has a hell of a defense, obviously. Not sure, you know, he's got to score. That's all you get. You see Davis, Dan Hawkins. Hawk, you know, you, you never know about Hawk. I, I think Hawk, those, I, I need those stories to run out because Hawk tells a story better than Disney. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's like Walt Disney meets, uh, who's the guy who, who created the light, Einstein. And, and he gets these kids all jacked up. You know, and they come in, they win games. Now he's at the top of the world. And once you've been there, it, 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 it's fun and easier to stay there. So I need his stories to dry up because he's got a pretty pretty good team. He's playing good football. He's making, he's back where he, everybody thought he'd be. Eastern Washington, the uh, national runner-up a year ago, but three straight losses now. I guess three out of four losses here and two straight losses coming into conference play. What do you think of the Eagles? Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, first off, it's my alma mater, so I can't. You know, I, I was cheering the hardest when they won the first national championship, but I can't say that because, you know, I'm in other big sky schools. But um, I watched the game, you know, the mighty DVR. Uh, taping games on your TV is golden. So I taped the thing on Root Sports, and, you know, I, I was waiting to hear Gregorak. Gregorak never said a word, I don't think, but he, it was his new announcing job. And I watched that game twice. <laughs> And they're, I think they're in a little bit of shock right now, you know, losing Idaho. I think they they thought that was going to go down there, and they might be reading the press clippings a little bit. Well, how about Idaho then, after their, you know, surprise victory there? What a great win for them in that program, you know. I, uh, we, we all know each other. I texted Rarin, I an assistant that was with me on that staff. What a great win for them, you know. They came out wildfire and got up and and the mighty barrier couldn't couldn't get him back so um i think that game talked to the parody in our conference you know you better watch out anybody can win anybody can lose on college football saturday how about the team that maybe the surprise uh team to me of the non-conference i think they played really well sacramento state i was going to bring that one up when we first came up you know Troy's chucking and ducking, and obviously it's working. I mean, first, and he's got a defense. He put a goose egg on uh, Northern Co- Northern Colorado, right? Yep, fifty nothing and fifty goose. I, I mean, uh, that opened a lot of eyes. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, how about uh, you guys? Don't play Choate and the Bobcats this year. You do play Hauk and the Grizz. What are you, what's your gauge on the Montana schools? Well, uh, both of them. You know, uh, I love the Montana schools. You know, they're the challenge to my program. You know, I'm, I'm feeding them Dots pretzels, and they probably have one of those smoothie bars in their place. <laughs> you know, 
Chode will brag about it. How won't because he's too damn tough. <laughs> you know, with Chode will say, we got smoothies. Come on, recruits. <laughs> but love both of them. They're doing a hell of a job. You know, uh, check their schedule and, and what they've been doing. F- probably following Montana more just because we play them. Right. And I know I've got to send these damn pretzels to Houks. So uh, doing well, right where they should be. And then Idaho State, a place you coached at for a long time. I know one of the eye-opening victories of your first season that year, you guys went to the playoffs. I remember driving down to Pocatello to see it. And uh, you guys you guys put, them, put it on them there at Holt Arena. But Idaho State, a team that has a lot of dynamic playmakers. First of all, what's the experience like for you when you go uh, back to Pocatello? And, and what are just your general thoughts on, on ISU? Uh, cult, memories, culture. You know, my kids were born there. There's, there's people who be at the game that help raise my my boys, you know, because we're never home. And our neighbors, Mike and Carl, just everybody in that town, you know, they're good people. The arena hasn't changed, you know, since it was put up. I'm telling my guys that. Um, they have a better defense this year. I think they're, they still have two receivers who could probably play for anybody. Um, I think they're searching for a quarterback to get them the ball consistently like Tanner did last year. But I think their defense is going to hold up for them. They're big up front, and they're fast out in, in the back. You know, So they improved on defense. And, I mean, they're playing well. They gave Northern Iowa a run. I didn't watch the other side of the ball. I didn't watch Northern Iowa's defense, but uh, their defense got after Northern Iowa. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also have to do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, and it can take care of you. Bruce Barnum joining us, the head coach of the Portland State Vikings football team. Coach, I want to ask you, what's unique uh, it's, let's put it like this. There's a lot of things that are unique about being a football coach at Portland State. I mean, the oh basketball team. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, you're, first of all, you're one of two big sky schools that's in a you know major metropolis you know city, uh, at least by Montana standards, certainly Portland and then obviously Sacramento as well. So that on one hand seems like it could be an advantage, but then you're in a, in a kind of an urban campus. There's not always a lot of space. So <laughs> what what to you is, is sort of, you know, stands out about being uh, the, the head coach there specifically? Uh, that question is ongoing, uh, Ryan, seriously. Uh, it's something every day. I come into work and y- y- you don't, we don't bitch, we fix. 
you know. Uh, we had an outstanding recruiting class, starting on the, you know, glass half full side maybe, but we we made it, or half empty, we made it half full because we don't have a stadium. I mean, I'm, right. I'm traveling right now, I'm a nomad. Right. Our, I think our kids like playing on the road better than they do at home. I'm trying to change that, but, you know, we had a recruiting class, and I never showed them the stadium. Uh, we sold the city. We sold our people. I showed in my weight room 2,700 times in, you know, 48 <laughs> hours. I fed them. And it only came up once. Seth Vernon, watch my punter. Uh, my punter's got a leg like Eddie Johnson did back in the day when the Vikings picked him up and he kicked in the CFL forever. I mean, he just got a booming leg. and. He's a junior college guy. He came in. He played receiver in junior college. He punted one game. But we saw him. And we're like, you know what? That's He's the real deal. His parents, he'd committed. And we have a John Gotti meeting, right, at the end of recruiting, uh, of the weekend. So we're meeting, and we sit down. And, you know, I got Sammy the Bull next to me, and the door's shut. And they look at me, and they said, Coach, uh, we love it. We love everything. We love your staff. Just Seth is coming here. I said, but can I ask you one question? I said, of course, Mr. Reynolds. What's on your mind? He says, where do you play? <laughs> <laughs> I said, on that. <laughs> on that topic. Here, have a voodoo donut. (laughs) (laughs) I love it, Coach. It's it's great having you, but we've got a couple more questions for you that will get you out of here. Of course. Who's the most dangerous player in the Big Sky Conference? Who keeps you up at night? Oh, gosh. Uh, That's a week-to-week thing, you know. Um, uh, Dangerous player. Montana's got people that can tackle you. They got a quarterback who can tear you up. You know, uh, Weaver's got the defense and a returner. We don't play him, but that you read about. Uh, Choate's got that quarterback, Hercules, I think his name is. <laughs> um, Eastern Washington's got Barry. He, he plays faster. Even watching that game, I watched it twice. That kid, he runs. He, he he looks like everybody else is standing in mud, so he's dangerous. You know, and you add some receivers to him. Uh, and they're all dangerous. Everybody's got something. I've got, you know, some guys. i got a couple yes, cats. You we do. all do. No doubt. I want to ask you specifically about Troy Anderson at Montana State. You don't have to give us the details because I know the coaches, a lot of that stuff's behind closed doors. But when you guys get on the conference call, and Choate's got this kid who's a running back and a linebacker who he played at quarterback all year, the kid's not the best quarterback in the league, but he's definitely one of the best offensive players in the league. What were you thinking about when you're talking about, I mean, this kid was voted unanimous first team all conference. Just what do you think as a coach of his ability to just play literally all over the field? Well, let's first remember that the mighty Choate, uh, respect him, you know, like my mother, he can sell you oceanfront in Arizona. <laughs> so he gets on the horn, and, you know, that kid whooped everybody's ass, so we're all sitting there listening, and, you know, you got better quarterbacks, period. But, you know, Jeff starts up with, he had a good argument on why we should create another category and give this kid some love. And everybody agreed on it, you know. I mean, what are those awards for? They're, they're, they're to award the kids uh, who made an impact in the conference. He was definitely one. So we made up, I don't even know what he got. He got player of the millennial or something. <laughs> and, 
You know, and Jeff's like, is everybody in? Let's vote. I'm in. You know? <laughs> I, uh, I forwarded it. You know, you gotta love the guy. But I don't think Hog does. I want to go to... Uh, yeah, I got one more for you. One more for you. We got listen, all the time in the world. Have at it. Listen to this one. Here's what I'm thinking. Nobody knows this except Cooper. Cooper's a senior. My kid. He's my youngest kid. Get this one. He gets a letter. He's invited. I got to call Hauk on this. But I'm telling you're hearing it first. Cooper's invited to a game at Washington Grizz because they're recruiting him. Right? He's a safety receiver. Yada, yada. He's a tough kid. Long. We, I looked at our schedule. Two weeks after we play the Grizz, we have a bye week, and they play Weber at home. So I said to Cooper the other day, I said, you know what? You want to go on a recruiting visit? And he's like, well, yeah. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll call Hal because I don't know if he wants me there. But I might, Coach Barnum and Coop might be, there's a chance, on a recruiting visit to the, the mighty Montana Grizz on Weber weekend. How about that? I mean, that's that, that'd be right a one there. in a million. Wouldn't that be? I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have to bring extra pretzels, but I don't think Hal <laughs> could give a damn. Well, Coach, we we certainly appreciate you being here as always. An absolute blast to talk to you. Hey, at least you don't have to worry about Cooper Cup. You got to have some solace, right? Because he's doing the same thing in the NFL that he did in the Big Sky. He's not causing just you problems. He's causing everybody problems, right? That, that guy made play. I'll never forget the third and 20s he got them out of. <laughs> you know? Right. And we're smart. We put four guys on him, and he still comes down with the ball. I'm like, why don't they throw it to one of the open guys? You know? <laughs> He would jump up and catch that ball, land on his back, and juggle it with his feet. And I'm like, who in the hell? Yeah. But, yeah, I'm happy for that. You know, I, mean, I had a chance to you know, spend some time with him down there in 15 when he got an award, and I got that award. And he's a hell of a guy. Well, Coach, we appreciate the time. Uh, we we are so happy to lead our uh, Big Sky Conference Coaches Carousel uh, with you, uh, as always. And so we, we appreciate you spending so much time with us, and best of luck down there in Pokey this weekend, all right? All right, guys, you keep up the good work. Seriously, I'm, I'm going to have to tape you guys. Well, you, you know, know? They, they podcast it now, Bruce. You don't even have to use a tape and, like, a, a, you know, the wires and uh, the, the plug-in Brian, thing. You just I don't go know right. what the hell a podcast is. <laughs> that makes two of us. I'm actually. watching film, <laughs> I'm watching film. Well, we'll see if we can get you some film of the show. Okay. All right. Yeah, I want to see cultures. He's still got the beard and all that. Yeah, he lost it for a minute. He had a little shaving accident, but he grew that back right quick. Uh, He's probably trimming it himself, and he sneezed or something. Something like that. (laughs) Cut a a tunnel in it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Marty, you're the man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Bye. Bruce Barnum, boys and girls, the one and only. I why mean, would you ever have a guy that does not play in the Grizz with the Cats till November on the show to lead the show? That's why. That's why. That's why. Uh, uh, hilarious. Love Barty. Love talking Big Sky football. No matter how far you may go, there's always one just down the road. Town Pump. Who pump it up? Pump it up. Stop by Town Pump to get Bud, Miller, and Coors 18-pack cans for $16.99 and grab some wine for your sweetie. Bandit, one liter wines, just $7.99. Town Pump Food Stores, proud to be part of our community. Town Pump, right down the road. Pump it up. Oh, yeah. Hey, hello, 
welcome to the Big Sky Breakdown. As always, this podcast can be found at SkylineSportsMT.com. Coming to you on one side from the ESPN Missoula studios here Wednesday afternoon, September 25th. And on the other side, coming from Pocatello, Idaho. So we're doing a couple uh, dual state podcasts here. Ryan Tutel's with me in studio, Andrew Hutang. Andrew Houghton, rather. Look at ah, that. The Freudian slip <laughs> comes back already. We haven't made it one man the podcast. But Andrew Houghton, former uh, contributor to SkylineSportsMT.com, now the beat writer for the Idaho State Bengals over in Pocatello working at the Idaho State Journal. Good having you back on the pod, Andrew. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me again. Now, you gotta help. you got to help the people because nobody will understand. I could not get – I did not want to get Andrew's name for the first two years that we knew each other. <laughs> and so I just called – this is going back to his days at the time. So I just called him Hu-Tang because I'd read his, his last name, Houghton, and just Hu-Tang, I don't know. It just worked for me. It's kind of like Wu-Tang, and he's got – you know, I don't know. He's got a little kind of, you know, rap flavor to him, you know. So I was like, give me that Hu-Tang kid, you know. And now look at him. He's a big He's a big star. He's a beat writer for an FBS – or a, a Division One FCS football program. So there you go. That's why we're chuckling <laughs> about Coulter's uh, mispronunciation. Gotta love it. Andrew, give us the breakdown on Pocatello before we get into some Big Sky football yeah, stuff. Yeah, man. You liking it? I'm liking it a lot, actually. Yeah, I live living right downtown, um, hanging out in downtown Pocatello, uh, real close to, to campus, you know, so it's it's easy to get over to the office, get over to campus, do stories like that. Uh, I mean, They've got nice mountains here, not as nice as Missoula, but like you know, it, look, it looks nice. So I'm I'm really enjoying Pocatello, and I've you know found enough to do. I mean, I'm I'm very busy, but finding enough to do here so far. Okay, now give me give us this for for folks who haven't been there. If you if you stood on the main drag in Pocatello at the very edge of what you would consider downtown, how many blocks are you walking before you're on the other end of of downtown? Yeah, I'm like right in the middle of it, and I no, can walk. You know, it's like six, seven blocks. You, so you think downtown Bogotelo is six, seven blocks long? That's about what we're talking about. Yeah, old town, old town Pocatello, where I hang out, is probably you know six blocks from my from my apartment on one side to the to the other side to the bars on the other side of downtown. Okay, here's 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 the thing I'll say about Pocatello. I spent when I first started started working at the Bozeman Daily Chronicle back in 2011. Mike Kramer had just been hired as the head coach at Idaho State. And because of Mike Kramer's rise and fall at Montana State, his resurgence and return to the Big Sky Conference was a huge story in Bozeman. And so the Chronicle editors let me go to Pocatello for five days and hang out with Kramer during the first three days before fall camp started and then the first two days of fall camp. It's how I got to know him on a personal level so much. I thought Pocatello was just fine. A lot of people in this neck of the woods in western Montana or in Montana in general, they dog on Pocatello a lot. The best way I can describe Pocatello is it's never going to be a place you're going to choose to go on your vacation to. But if you live there, it's just fine. It's just it's just a fine town. It's it is. It's nice people. You know, it's not a booming metropolis with all sorts of crazy stuff to do, but there's restaurants to eat at and bars to drink at and what else do you really need if you have friends so <laughs> I, i'm glad you're happy there though man I, I think it's a good spot for you and uh i'm glad you're you're grinding it out What's yeah up? well thanks i mean i'm enjoying it so far so we'll see if that uh that keeps up the longer i'm here good this podcast presented in part by Selway armory Selway armory montana's firearm superstore locations in both missoula and bozeman 
This podcast also presented in part by Town Pump. Town Pump Food Stores, Montana's best since 1953. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump Food Store near you. Before we get into the Idaho State stuff, you guys have an Idaho State podcast now too, right, Andrew? You and Madden Segurzi doing, you got three, four episodes out there talking about ISU stuff. So tell people how they can find it. Yeah, uh, best way to find that is probably, uh, well, it's either through our website, just idahostatejournal.com. Um, we'll post it. I'll have it on my Twitter, um, at AndrewH202. Uh, we usually try to record on Mondays, um, get the podcast out Monday or Tuesday. Um, a lot of Idaho State football talk, obviously. Madison was the beat writer here before I was. Um, I've got the beat right now, so we you know kick it back and forth a little bit about that. Little Big Sky football talk, a uh, little, you know, Pocatello prep football talk, but not too much of that. But if you're looking for some more Big Sky football talk, we get into that a, a fair amount. Let's talk about the Bengals. Idaho State, a strange season so far. They were uh, on a bye in week one. Then they played Western Colorado, a Division two team, in week two. Took them a little while to get going. They had a strong fourth quarter to finish that game off, but I watched a lot of it, and – they were looking disjointed and not not very good uh, offensively, particularly early in that game. But then they looked really good late in the last ten minutes or so. And then the following week, they go to the University of Utah and they lose thirty-one nothing. And I think that that was by and large a positive result considering how talented Utah is. And then last week they play Northern Iowa, who's up to the top ten in the FCS with the latest FCS poll. And Idaho State goes toe to toe in a defensive slugfest. 13-6. to six. To me, it looks like Idaho State's offense is still finding its flow, which makes sense considering they lost a four-year starter and quarterback in Tanner Guller. But on the other side, it looks like Idaho State's defense is much improved. What's your overall general impressions of Idaho State so far, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. I mean, the offense has been um, – we still don't know what they are um, because they've been trying to find a quarterback throughout fall camp. Uh, Matt Strzok was up and down, but he, he put up really good stats in that Western Colorado game. And then, you know, in the second quarter of the Utah game, he, he takes a gigantic hit. Um, the guy was ejected for targeting. And uh, Matt Strzok's been in the concussion protocol ever since. So we got um, Gunnar Amos on the road last week in northern Iowa. And, you know, he uh, that's a tough defense, obviously, but um, the offense was really inconsistent with him back there. Um, so I think they're still trying to figure that out. I think that from what I thought they were before the season, I think that their ceiling is a little bit higher because the defense has sort of exceeded expectations. I mean, they were, it wasn't, it wasn't luck that they, you know, held Northern Iowa to 13 points on the road last week. They were, they were stonewalling the Panthers run game at the line of scrimmage. They were, you know, covering up and, and forcing Will McElvain to, to stand back there for five seconds and, you know, scramble around when they were getting pressure on him. They looked like a really, really good defense and that's against a, a pretty good team. Um, so if, you know, if Strzok can come back or if Gunnar Amos can find some consistency in the offense, I think their ceiling's a little bit higher because they still have a lot of talent around the quarterback on offense. Defensively, Cody Graves back in the fold. He was one of the better linebackers in the big sky before he hurt his knee. Looks like he's back fully healthy. What's his performance been like so far and who else is sort of bolstering that Idaho State defense thus far? Yeah, so Cody Graves is, is kind of funny to me because he's not, for me, any time you watch the defense, he's not the first person you notice. You know, he's he does a lot of subtle things with his positioning, um, just being in the right place at the right time, making the right plays at the right time. You know, he's not a, he's not a gigantic physical specimen. 
he's not the fastest guy on the field, but he's he's back. He's leading them in tackles again. He's got 25 tackles through three games. So I think he's you know one of the best uh, linebackers in Big Sky Conference. Other than that, I've been really impressed by uh, one of the outside linebackers, O'Shea Trujillo, who's been you know sort of honorable mention All Conference Big Sky sort of in that range the last couple of years. He's a really dynamic player. They're using him to rush the quarterback a lot but he can also drop back into coverage. He has their one interception on the year in the Western Colorado game. Um, he's a guy who just, you know, makes a lot of plays, and, and I like that from him. You know, Rob Fennessy is uh, in his third year there, and I know that, you know, you're just getting there, but you're familiar with Rob Fennessy from, from uh, just covering the Big Sky Conference, obviously his Montana ties and all that, but what's it been like to be up close with him? Because he is one of the unique characters out there <laughs> in, yes, the, in the Big Sky Conference and as a head coach, but what is he like personally just to, in terms of, you know, the type of guy that he is, but also what is sort of his, his calling card as a head coach? Yeah, Fennessy, um, you know, he's he's a lot of fun to deal with, or he, he has been a lot of fun to deal with uh, this early in the season. You know, we'll uh, joke he still still owes me a cold smoke, which I hear he has a stash of those from when he goes up to visit his daughter in Bozeman and needs to bring me one of those to a press conference one of these days. Um, but, yeah, I mean, his calling card, he's a, he's an offensive coach. Um, he was, you know, the, the offensive coordinator at Montana. Um, he's still he's still the wide receivers coach. You know he likes to work hands on with those guys um, every day at practice. I think that you know coming off the the north, it's it's tough to tell with him sometimes whether whether he was you know pleased or he was concerned coming off the Northern Iowa game. Um, I think I think generally he was you know he was a little short in the press conference on Monday after that, especially with the the shortcoming for the offense, which had to just be super frustrating for him. Um, yeah. What's the quarterback situation going into this conference play opener against Portland State there at Idaho State? Uh, we are still waiting on final word to, to hear from our sources whether uh, you know Matt Struck will be out of concussion protocol in time for the game because you know practice is closed all week. I can't I can't get to practice, um, so we're just you know waiting to hear whether Struck will be healthy. Um, if he is healthy, if he is 100%, I think he's the guy that they want to go with. Um, you know, he was the guy at the beginning of the year, um, got hurt in the Utah game, and, and Gunnar Amos didn't really seize his opportunity against Northern Iowa last week. You know, uh, Andrew, this matchup this week for Idaho State against Portland State, it, we've kind of identified right kind of what we think are the top five teams in the Big Sky Conference, and there's that top tier. And then kind of the middle of the pack group includes, to me, both Idaho State and Portland State. Portland State here in the in the non-conference has actually looked even better than what I kind of thought they would be. And Idaho State, especially with the changes at quarterback, has been you know a, a little bit inconsistent, but still you know looks like they got uh, potential to be pretty good. But when you're playing, if I can say it, a like opponent in conference where you're, where you know, I think you're both kind of middle of the road teams trying to trying to you know get your your season to go in one direction or another. And there's only a couple of other teams like that in the conference. This to me becomes actually a really big game for both of these schools right off the bat. What's the vibe of, of, from Idaho State beyond just starting conference play, but actually starting it against Portland State, which to me is sort of a, 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 a little bigger deal than people might uh, think that it is. Yeah, and I think that they realize that, um, you know, how big a deal it is this week, not just because Portland State, but, you know, already their their margin for error with their schedule is, is really thin. You know, you're starting it 
at home, you want to start conference playoff well. You're back at home after two weeks on the road. You want to have a good showing there to sort of get people excited for the rest of the season. And, and yeah, like you said, I mean, the middle of the Big Sky Conference is sort of this, this big jumbled mess, and we're trying to figure out which of those teams, you know, might be contenders, which of those teams might be, you know, nipping at the heels of, of that top tier. So I think it is a really important game. I think they, they realize that. Um, I think the the mood around the team is really, really positive after, after going in and, you know, playing toe-to-toe with Northern Iowa. I don't think that that was something that anybody expected, um, particularly the fashion in which it happened, you know, a 13-6 game. Um, and, you know, I think they um, – the defense, for one, is is really confident after that game. I mean, you could you could see it at the press conference on Monday, um, the way they were talking, the way they were handling themselves. Um, so I think there's a lot of positives just with the the vibe and and the mood around the team going into this game for for Idaho State. Last question on this game before we get into some stuff about the rest of the Big Sky Conference. It is the Big Sky Breakdown, by the way. Being joined by Andrew Houghton from the Idaho State Journal, as well as Ryan Tutel from ESPN Missoula here on SkylineSportsMT.com. And, Andrew, Portland State, they lead the conference by a wide margin with 35 tackles for loss. They have more sacks than Montana State, which is an impressive th- number considering Bryce, considering Bryce Dirk has more sacks than half the teams in the league already. Bryce Dirk already has eight and a half sacks, but Portland State, one more sack as a team with 13 sacks. Their uh, defensive line, to me, is the best defensive line in the conference besides Montana State's. Kenton Bartlett. Uh, he's a beast in the middle. He's a, he's a grown man. Anthony Del Toro was a freshman All-American a couple years ago. Samise Kofe, I mean, watching him last year uh, in Missoula against the Grizz, I mean, he just whipped Montana's interior offensive line. So Portland State, they are stout up front. How is Idaho State's offensive line looking right now? I know they lost several key guys, including uh, Brian Alphabet Soup is his last name, uh, who went on to the went uh, Finagoa or something like that, uh, who went on to the NFL. But how's Idaho State's offensive front, and what's that matchup going to play out like? Yeah, so Idaho State actually brought back um, four of the four of the five starters from from last year, uh, with you know Brian Finagonofo going to the NFL. Uh, that was supposed to be a real strength for them going into this year because they had they brought back four starters. Um, two guys who are in their fourth year starting now, you know, have been starting since they were freshmen. Um, the other guys have been starting for a year or two. Um, you know, Finneanganofo obviously is the left tackle was, was a big part of that offensive line. Uh, they want to replace him with, uh, sophomore Jack Eli Tufono, who filled in for him last year when he was down early in the season. That worked for about a quarter and a half, and then Tufono went down uh, with, I believe, a knee injury early in the first half against Western Colorado. What they did, uh, they did something kind of interesting after that. Um, They moved left guard Jacob Molinar out to left tackle, brought in Zion Dixon, who uh, transferred from Idaho to play left guard, and that's been sort of the unit they've been running with for the last couple games, uh, I think it's more of a concern for them now than it was early in the season. You know, Molinar's a, a, a big guy, a good offensive lineman. I don't think he's particularly good going against pass rushers. Um, Ellerson Smith for, for Northern Iowa had three sacks against them this week, and that was, you know, mostly on Molinar's side, just being able to, to beat him with the speed. So I think they are susceptible, uh, maybe a little bit more susceptible than they might have thought they were before the season to um, good pass rushers. Big Sky Breakdown presented in part by Town Pump. 
Town Pump, Montana's best since 1953. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump food store near you. Town Pump's your go-to spot, whether you need some fuel, something to drink, a snack, anything. Town Pump has got you covered. Let's talk a little bit about the Big Sky Conference, Andrew. I know you've been in, in uh, engulfed in this Idaho State beat, but I know that you have a really good gauge on the Grizz, having covered that beat for the last couple of years for us at Skyline Sports. And I know you talked to, to us a lot about the Cats, too, just because of all, all our statewide stuff that we do. Um, so, twofold question. Has your opinion changed over the last month as far as the contenders? Because when we went to the Big Sky kickoff, the three of us together, we all kind of agreed that Montana, Montana State, Eastern Washington, Weber State, UC Davis, those were the five front-running contenders in the league. Has that opinion changed? And is there anybody else in the league maybe that's grabbed your attention uh, that you might think could break into that that tier of contenders? Yeah, I mean, the big question that everybody is, is thinking about is sort of is Eastern Washington kind of part of that top five again after losing to Jacksonville State and then sort of getting manhandled by Idaho in the first half and, and losing to the Vandals. It's a tough question. If you ask me, is is Eastern still a playoff contender? Still, you know, potentially one of the best teams in the country? Yes, um, but I think would 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 I have them with that that top group right now? I'm not so sure that I would. I'm not so sure that it's still a top tier of of five. It, I think it might be a top tier of, of four, unless and until you know Eastern starts showing that they're playing up to their potential again. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sort of curious to hear what you guys have to have to say on that too, because that's sort of the question that everybody's thinking about around the big sky. Um, as far as other teams, I kind of want to, I kind of want to see, I kind of want to see a little bit more um, from some other teams before I move them up into that, into that sort of tier. I mean, there are a lot, there are a lot of good contenders for that spot. I mean, Portland state, um, their numbers look really good. Um, you know, I was doing the, the stat comparison for this game. I mean, their their defense has given up the fewest yards in the conference per game so far. Um, Davis Alexander's nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Sac State um, has put up a lot of points on on some teams and hung with a couple um, FBS teams. Of course, Northern Arizona's offense has looked good with Case Cookus. Um, you know, all all those kinds of teams. I mean, even teams like Cal Poly. Idaho, obviously, after beating Eastern Washington and, and looking really good doing it, um, all those teams are sort of in contention to jump up into that top tier, but I'd, I'd like to see the first couple weeks of the conference schedule play out, you know. The thing about Eastern Washington, too, is they played you know, Washington and Jacksonville State in their non-conference. Losing to Idaho was the one that was sort of brutal because the Washington and Jacksonville State games, I think, acceptable, for lack of a better word, losses. And then you look at Eastern's conference schedule – they do have a date at Montana on October 26th, but they do not have to play Weber State. They do not have to play Montana State. They do not have to play UC Davis. So with the exception of that looming Montana game, and maybe if Sac State is one of those teams that jumps a tier, other than that, Eastern should be favored for the rest of their games. That's why I think that they are a playoff contender, even if they're not necessarily in that top tier. Yeah, it's a good question, too, because I think it's a lot easier to move out of a tier early in the season than to move up into totally. a tier. Especially uh, with the way that these games were scheduled. I mean, we don't really know about Sac State. We can say, well, great, they played well in two FBS losses. They lost. Who knows if they can play well right. in against Big Sky Conference teams. I'm not sure. Exactly. That's that's exactly the issue. And with with – 
when you start losing games, you know, uh, uh, and I mean, what's what's the most damning loss on anybody's schedule? It is the Eastern Washington's loss at Idaho. Why is it so bad? Because nobody really thinks Idaho's very good and because it is a quote-unquote conference game. And so you finally have a like opponent to register with, uh, you know, where uh, even with the Jacksonville State, you're like, well, I mean, I don't know. They flew all the way to Alabama, Jacksonville State, you know, parentally pretty good. I don't know if they're any good this year, but you know, you understand kind of what happens. The Idaho thing, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. What do we have here? And and I think that's that's the big surprise, and that's why they're now on on that radar as a team that's uh, slipping. But the thing is, too, that it, it could, the whole, the, the, the notion of the Idaho game being a terrible loss could actually get flipped on its head pretty quickly, too, because Idaho plays at Northern Colorado this week. They're almost certainly going to win that game. Right. Idaho Weber, I think on paper coming in this season, you'd say Idaho against Weber State in Moscow is favor favors Weber, and I still think it does. But we don't know. This is all prognostication at this point, right? We do know it favors Weber. It does. But but if Idaho won that game, now all of a sudden the Eastern's loss to Idaho is not a bad loss. Right. Now all of a sudden Idaho's a contender. If, Maybe they're if the surprise. Idaho beats Weber. Everybody goes, well, they still got some F- FBS guys hanging around totally. Moscow. That's what happens then. Totally. Andrew, what's your gauge on the Vandals now that you're covering? The Bengals. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd heard from uh, Colton Clark, who covers them up in Lewiston, that um, they were looking pretty good this year because some transfers that they brought in on defense. Um, the freshman class had, had the potential to contribute, and I was kind of like, uh, yeah, okay, man. And uh, I kind of reconsidering that after the first couple games. I mean, they played close with, with Central Washington, which is a, a good Division two team, but played them really close when probably Idaho should have won that game by a lot more Then they, you know, Idaho themselves played very close with Wyoming. And then going into this Eastern Washington game, I mean, it looks like they can run the ball. Well, uh, Mason Petrino looks better than he did last year, I think. And if that defense is, is truly, I mean, it'd have to be a lot improved from where it was last year. Cause they were really, really bad last year. But if, if it is improved, uh, they're potentially, I mean, like I said, they're they're just one of those teams that's sort of hanging around below the top tier right now, and we need to see a little bit more from them. But I think maybe they have a little bit more upside than, than the other teams in that tier because they do have some some FBS guys still hanging around, you know? Big Shot Breakdown presented in part by Selway Armory. Selway Armory has locations of both Missoula and Bozeman. The new location of Bozeman, beautiful. Huge space, tons of firearms and ammunition, and, of course, expert advice you won't find anywhere else. Take the Selway Armory Challenge and shop with Selway Armory for a year. Guarantee you'll save money compared to the big box stores. Andrew Houghton from the Idaho State Journal joining myself and Ryan Tutel here. Uh, Andrew, have you got a chance to follow the Grizz much? And if so, general thoughts on the Grizz non-conference performance? Oh, let me think about it. Um, yes, I'm still following the Grizz. Uh, more as a fan this year. It's, it's kind of nice, actually, because they're, they're playing well, um, and I'm not covering them anymore, and I can kind of, you know, Revel in their success a little bit more. Uh, Dalton Sneed looks looks really good. Uh, it's nice to see it's nice to see the Grizz sort of having the advantage on special teams again, which we were a little bit surprised that they they didn't last year. I mean, they had some big plays, but they also gave up some big plays. And this year, I mean, they've got two two return touchdowns already, I guess, which is uh, nice to see and and probably good for them. I think that. By sort of holding holding serve in the in the non conference, uh, that's that's pretty good. I mean, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Go in and give a good accounting of yourself at Oregon. Uh, you can't really ask for much more. 
has your opinion on the other four teams? I know Eastern Washington a little bit in flux, but Weaver State, UC Davis, Montana, Montana State, any differing opinions on those four so far? Not really. Uh, UC Davis was kind of hanging on the edge after that last-second win against San Diego. Yep. Um, but then came back with that a really good performance against North Dakota State and could have won that game, maybe should have won that game when they're they're driving to go ahead with the touchdown and, and Mayer throws the pick right on the goal line. You have to be disappointed, but of course you look at going to Fargo and, and playing that team close like that. That's a plus for them, so I can't move them down. Weber State is just a more extreme version of what Idaho State is right now, where the defense is great and we're just not sure if the offense can score any points. I think I, I kind of moved them up because their their defense has just been so good in the non-conference. You know, going against two FBS teams and holding them to basically nothing is, is really impressive for me. So I think that gives them a little bit more of, a, of an upside right now. I think I would have Weber um, as the number one team in the conference right now. Gus, has your opinions of these top-tier teams changed much? Besides Eastern Washington, as we know. No. Well, oh, give me, just off the top of your head, give me your power rankings. How would you rank the other four presumed contenders in the Big Sky right now? Davis, Montana State, Montana, Weber. Wow. So what, the Wildcats tremendous on defense in both those FBS matchups, but have been anemic on offense. Is that why you have Weber at fourth? I put them at four. I, I think Weber State's really good. I think Weber State is, is you know, a top 15, maybe top 10 team in the nation. I know they're ranked there, but I'm just saying I, mean, I think that's legit. You know what I mean? The the thing is, is I think Montana and Montana State are I mean, Montana State's already there, and I think Montana is that good also, and and so this is such an interesting deal because Montana is the only one who's ranked differently than what I think that they are, and they should that, you, be. You think that they're ranked higher than you think? They no, should be? I think, think they're, they're ranked too low. They're, I think, think Montana is better than the 18th team in the country. That's correct. I think they're ranked correctly because of where they came in and what they've done. I think they're at the right spot, but ultimately, I think they're a top ten team in the nation. I really do. Wow! But you also think the cats? I think the cats and UC Davis are as well, and Weber. So I think there's four legitimate top, say, twelve teams in the country in those four teams. And Eastern, yeah, of course, you have to put them now at at the fifth spot. But UC Davis. Are they better than Montana State? Are they better than Montana? Are they better than Weber? I don't know. But as of right now, they are. And so I, you know, and we're going to find a lot out on Saturday to that end. Anything else you want to add to this, Houghton, before we let you go? No, I think that pretty much covers it. I mean, we're still kind of waiting on all these teams to show who they really are, and it'll, it'll get a lot easier once they all start playing each other. That's good. Well, we will. This is a reintroduction. Andrew Houghton from the Idaho State Journal doing a big, doing a big scab breakdown podcast for the first time on the other side. But this will be fun. We'll catch up next week as well because Montana hosts Idaho State for homecoming. Uh, so we'll probably get you on two tell Nuanas even if you if you're willing to do it. But either way, thanks for being with us, man. We appreciate it. And Gus Tutel, thank you so much for contributing as well. Pleasure. The big scab breakdown. Marches on. We'll have a couple other interviews to share with you, including an all-time classic from the man, the myth, the legend, Bruce Barnum. Funniest interview I've ever done in my career. I'm not kidding. Make sure you stay tuned here. SkylineSportsMT.com, the Big Sky Breakdown. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Thanks so much for listening.